You are listening to Two Jerks, One Vote, and this time around, Jerkatorium is reviewing the Spin Tunes 18 Round 1 songs with our special guest, Brian, also known as Boy on the Wall. We said we weren't gonna do this again, but we didn't hold that very long. We said we weren't gonna do this, but then somehow we're right back here judging all of your songs. We could spend this time Something constructive, something really worth our while, but that's not our style. Two jerks, one vote. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Two Jerks, One Vote, the inappropriately named, uh, not applicably named podcast for the reviews of Spin Tunes 18. Uh, we're reviewing round one. The color round. My name's Ryan, uh, also you know known as the Jerk from Jerkatorium, and I am Chumpy, uh, known as the Chump from Jerkatorium, and together <laughs> we are two jerks. And um, let's see, Ryan, do you have the prompt for this round? The Spintoons eighteen round one challenge was color me impressed. Uh, the instructions were to write a song about or prominently mentioning a specific color. And we got 35 entries, which includes three uh, shadows. Today, for this podcast, we have a very, very special guest. It's Boy on the Wall, who we're going to call Brian? Question, question yeah, mark? that works. That okay. Works. <laughs> All right, great. Boy on the Wall has uh, competed in Spin Tunes 13 and 14 and 17 and has generated some of our very, very favorite songs just a wonderful artist, also a member of the band The Remembers out of Minneapolis. Uh, you can find their music on Bandcamp, and you can also find Boy on the Wall music on Bandcamp. So uh, welcome, Brian. Is there anything that we kind of missed that we should have mentioned? Anything you want to plug? Facebook, Instagram, whatever? No, I think he, I think you did great. And I'm just really excited to be here and actually meeting you guys, at least with voices. For uh, I mean, I've heard your voices, heard your songs for so many years now, but to actually connect and talk, it's fun. The Spin Tunes community is, is fun and, and brought us together. So, yeah, and I'm judging also this time around. It's my first experience as a judge in Spin Tunes, and I'm uh, hoping I do a, you know, a fair and just job of this. Uh, you'll get over that. <laughs> doesn't this segue nicely into your rant about judging ryan oh sure well i mean i my rant is about sort of something else but uh but we can talk about judging a little bit you know we've judged quite a bit uh in the past and as our new theme song mentioned we said we weren't going to do that anymore but here we are uh judging all of your songs and i think it's because we had some time you know, away from it and forgot how terrible judging is. And because, you know, also because Micah asked us, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a drag. It is a bit of a chore. Um, I know this is like, wham, 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 especially, you know, you're not going to be sympathetic, uh, to this after we, uh, you know, eliminate you, uh, from <laughs> the competition, which is going to happen. So, I mean, it's like, and I, I know that sounds cynical and everything, but there are 32 of you, and we are going to eliminate 31 of you. So it's just going to happen, you know. 
uh, making friends wherever we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the but the part is that you know we were just discussing before we turned the recorder on that this round we're going to eliminate like eight or ten people, which is huge. You know, if it were Narine or something, we would be eliminating what five or something per round, and it's kind of like. Yeah, you can imagine, you know, five of these not making it to the next round, but 10, I, you know, just, just wrapping my head around that is very difficult. No comment. What I find, what I find difficult about judging is finding something insightful to say about a bunch of different songs and just sort of not picking on nits, but actually trying to come up with something constructive, something that would improve the song. Um, And that's hard to do. So I've tried a lot to be objective and to think about like why I it's it's hard to put your finger on why you don't like something. You come into it with all of these biases and you know you try your best to suppress them, but they keep coming out and you have to separate, you know, is this just not to my taste or is there something wrong with this song? And it's it's hard to put your finger on that. The thing I'm realizing too is okay, in this round we have lemons, tangerines, <laughs> pulpy orange juice. But it really is apples and oranges, every single song. And each song sort of reveals its own universe to you. And then it feels most appropriate to comment sort of within that universe that, oh, this rhythm could be adjusted this way. Or, yeah, for one contestant, it's like, you know, if you could try to get your vocal line hitting on the rhythm a little bit more closely in this part in the chorus. And then for another one, the constructive comment is... You know, if you want this to be the act one closer of your musical, then the the, the alien <laughs> character needs to be more fully developed. But so there's a there's a wide range. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, the, part of the thing is, if you're saying, well, I think you should get your vocal line hitting the beat a little bit yeah. better. It, now, you know, we're in a position where we're going to say, you know, all of these other songs were great we have to find something a nit to pick as chumpy was saying we have to find some reason to rank somebody over another so it's not like we can go well i'm going to disregard this or that it's going to be you know this minor issue or something is now getting you eliminated and that's a shame and that's frustrating for us too because i mean we're going to have plenty of good songs that you know we're going to say oh i really wanted to hear something more from this person who's submitting and we're not going to be able to but totally this, feel that. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, no, no. That's fine. This segues into my PSA uh, about the competition, which is something that we've covered before on this podcast. But I'm going to say it again. Uh, I want to give every one of the competitors a clue here. Uh, again, we've mentioned it before. Every round is a competition, so it doesn't help to think of your submissions as a contribution to your overall portfolio or to an album that needs some down-tempo numbers. Now, that might be safe enough uh, in this earliest round, or if the song is somehow undeniably excellent in its sluggishness. But if you're submitting a mellow palate cleanser or a mopey G&G tune when everyone else is submitting showy barn burners, then you're taking a risk. You know, there are only three more rounds, and a bunch of bands are going to be eliminated in every round. So if you want to make it uh, to the last round, you're going to need to stand out. So we have a number of G&G tunes, and some amount of them, I'm sure, are going to make it through. But then... Uh, for the uninitiated, you know, G&G is guy and gal and guitar. So it just means uh, you know someone singing and accompanying themselves on guitar. 
or ukulele yeah. or piano. Yeah, just totally stripped down, no production, and that that can be completely charming. But at some point, it's gonna it might take more than charm. All right, so that was my rant. Does anybody else have any rants? Nope. I think we can launch into it. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah. So let's see. I will start with Matt Rog Miller, Retail Therapy. It's been a long week at a stressful job. So I pulled up the site that sells everything. I don't know what I even want to buy. I'm just thinking of the joy it could bring. So many choices scrolling by on my computer screen. I'm stopped in my tracks when I see something that comes in. Serotonin rising from below. Will it make me happy? I don't know. But does it come in green? 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 Meaning has left so we started off by talking about G&G, and that's appropriate because this is a G&G song. So it is Matt and his guitar. And one of the problems when you accompany yourself on guitar is that Sometimes you want to play those open chords, like low on the neck, and the problem is, is that they may not be necessarily in your ideal vocal range. So the tip I had for Matt was maybe consider using a capo. I feel like he struggled to hit some of those notes, and it was some of the lower notes, and I think he might do a little bit better in a higher vocal range. The word green, and the song leans on that word a lot, is sometimes a bit like off key and I think it's just because it's a little bit low so I would suggest trying to use a capo and try to find a key that your voice sits in well and you're not straining to hit those low notes or high notes so I think that was good I think that was like a piece of advice that I gave that was you know reasonable and also I, I came across this on a number of songs I feel like Matt at times would tell the audience something or tell the listener something, but not show them. You know, there's a line about, you know, I had a long week and a stressful job. And that's just sort of saying something as a matter of fact. It's like, oftentimes, like, I don't really necessarily relate to that. I'd rather hear that your boss is a jerk and he tells tells you your hair is terrible and your shoes look, you know, make you look poor. You know, something like that. Something that, like, a reason why you're week was long and stressful um so that's another piece of advice i have and uh there's some good stuff i feel like some of the guitars recorded well and it sounds good and the guitar strumming like opens up on the chorus and there's some dynamics in the song so it's a pretty good recording and i think matt's off to a good start if he makes it to the next round but just consider where your voice sits in the overall um in the mix yeah, that was kind of most of what I wanted to comment on, too, is that that green, you know, that does come in green. But, um, you know, like, like I really like this Australian artist named Tim Minchin, and he has a song entitled F Sharp, which is all about how he prefers to play the piano in the key of F, but he's most comfortable singing in F Sharp. So he has some conflict with himself as a musician trying to decide which of those comfort zones uh, to compose towards either his hands or his voice. 
And the punchline of the song comes when he plays the piano part in the of the chorus in F, which the rest of the song is in. But then he sings a half step up in a naturally <laughs> dissonant F sharp. And the song is short and meta and mildly funny. And anyway, uh, Matt Rog Miller is so, so far away from hitting the right note uh, on that main word green in the chorus which is weird because his singing on the verses is generally fine. You know, there's no clue in the lyrics that that terrible note is intentional and he didn't submit a song bio. So I don't know for sure whether I'm laughing with him or at him on that note. And it's sort of an uncomfortable place to be as a reviewer. But, you know, other than that awful note, it's a fine enough sounding G&G song about consumerism and compulsion. Uh, but it isn't funny enough to be funny and it isn't touching enough to be touching. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty low in my rankings, unfortunately. I really appreciated, Chumpy, your take about giving the more specific examples in the lyrics. And I had kind of a similar thought on this one, uh, where there's a particular line that gets repeated several times. Meaning has left my life, so I fill it up with things. And that's basically the, the thesis statement of the song. And I just wonder, sometimes you don't put the thesis or it's like more compelling lyrically to not state the thesis statement quite so clearly but instead make it really you know like felt through the examples and through the lyrics and one suggestion I might have had to Matt was instead of green shirt green shoes dice car sheets chair like you know there's a dozen or so things that he's looking to buy in green uh, that maybe had there been just one particular thing that the song could focus on a little bit more, you, you give more detail of the specifics of what went wrong at the office that day, and then you're back to your computer and you find this thing. This is the one symbol. But if only it came in green, you could be happy and your hopes are all pinned on that. I think with with all the breadth of examples and kind of the the higher level lyrics or the thesis statement lyrics, it just... We certainly understand the point you're trying to make, but it, it, it doesn't come across in a in a felt way quite so much. I think I also kind of suspect that, Matt, you might be just recording your guitar and vocal together. And if that's wrong, then ignore this. But I really have trouble doing that. Like I'm focusing so much on playing and then my vocal performance isn't exactly the as good as it were, would be if I were to do that separately. And I think maybe one thing you'd really be able to do if you recorded the vocal separately or try to do this regardless is pay attention where your breaths are naturally falling when you sing a phrase. A lot of times in this song, the the place you're taking a breath felt pretty distracting, like it's right in a key point in the melody or it's right in between a phrase that you really shouldn't split up those words. Um, so have a listen back to the moments where you you breathe kind of in the middle of a phrase that's meaningful. Uh, yeah, those were some of the thoughts there. I really echo all of you. So, I mean, even though I would probably, for all the reasons that were mentioned, I think it's going to be hard to put this one toward the top. But at the same time, like I was doing the dishes tonight, just humming, does it come in green? <laughs> does it come in green? So that, you know, that was sticky. Yeah, some of these songs are definitely hooky and stick in your ear. And not the ones you'd expect sometimes. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, next up, we've got This Pale Blue Dot by Stacking Theory. They're stashing cash on foreign shores. They'll take what's theirs and also yours. 
All right, this is a mellow, simple, pleasant-sounding song, but with lyrics very generally critical of disparities in wealth and opportunity. And I like how layered the song is. There's plenty in there to listen to with the lovely piano and the affected vocals with uh, occasional vocal harmonies. And uh, there's a good variety of guitar sounds in there, too. Um, I'm not as fond of the mixture of hopelessness and apathy in the lyrics, though. Like, I don't disagree with the lyrics, but with this sort of topic, I prefer a more proactive message. Like, you know, like something like, let's throw the criminals listed in the Pandora Papers into prison instead of what we're getting here, which is, you know, quote, be resigned, there's nothing we can do, unquote. So, yeah, you know, uh, maybe not one of my top songs on this list. I knew right away that this was going to be a political song, like, you know, pissing on hallowed ground and fascists, I think, come at you right in the first couple lines. Um, the vocals are sort of whispery uh, throughout and they have the same tone throughout the entire song. I thought it could have maybe used a change up where, you know, maybe in the chorus, the voice opens up a bit. Uh, like you, I also liked, I thought the guitar and the piano worked well together and there were lots of interesting like EQ filter effects on the vocals that I thought sounded very interesting and good. There's good dynamics. There was this one line on We Are Nothing where it does this really cool stereo right-left bounce sort of thing that I thought was really cool. Some great harmonies. But I'd, I think I'd edit it down a little bit. Like four minutes and 30 seconds is a lot of negativity to take all at once. So um, I think if it would be shorter, it would have been okay. And they wouldn't need to necessarily modulate the angry, apathetic message. But yeah, it was a, it was a little hard to take on repeated listening. I definitely find myself as a judge, and this is the first time I've done this, really getting into like trying to soak every message out of the lyrics in each of these songs and i think part of that was it's a topic-based prompt so i really wanted to focus on the the lyrical success or shortcomings of meeting this prompt about saying something directly about or often referencing a color doing it creatively and surprisingly and taking that somewhere you know unexpected but un undeniably rewarding and then it, I'm often in parsing the lyrics, coming up with these questions I never thought I'd ask myself. So it may be that I list several questions I never thought I'd ask myself throughout this <laughs> podcast. But one in this song was, can blue stain blue? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, we're on the pale blue dot and the examples that you're giving are high vis on denim blue, sailing on oceans blue. I may be getting this wrong, but I interpreted that to be police officers perhaps using violence the sailing on oceans blue um ostentatious yachts of the one percent <laughs> these are like blue examples that you're giving that are a stain on the pale blue dot so that i'm in all in the weeds like there's the can the blue stain the blue is the dot itself just a whole stain <laughs> uh, <laughs> just so that, that was part of the experience for me but you have to admit this song brings you into its universe dour though that universe is and it communicates the this kind of like despairing just giving up on a troubled planet in every element the orchestration serves that vibe the vocal performance exhibits that vibe the lyrics are you know do a pretty good job of putting forward some powerful symbols the tempo you know makes you feel that dourness 
so as a whole it it works in consort it's just it is kind of a tough hang because of the the depth of the subject matter yeah if it's effective in making you feel dour and you don't particularly want to feel dour then that is a is that a good thing or not a good thing yeah yeah another tough question <laughs> Okay, so maybe let's move to the third. This is Daniel Sidler with the song Only Kind of Blue. What were we? A mistake not meant to be, but I never had a clue. Heard I put you through. We were dancing to kind of blue. But I couldn't keep up with you. Now I'm fading to a hue I never could have seen through Never could have seen it through But it's only blue Oh, Daniel. This one was really... The heart just goes out to you on this one, and you've, you've really revealed yourself. This is a reflective, slow song that kind of reflecting on Daniel's own shortcomings as a husband and reflecting on a marriage that, that didn't work, whether that's exactly fact or a little bit of artful license. Can't say, but it, you know this did come up in the song bio. And so you feel like having especially heard that kind of journal diary entry in the in the song bio you feel like you're being provided access to something really private and vulnerable in this song and yeah i just appreciated that kind of level of sharing i think and i have to say the the particular part of the chorus where the the vocal line kind of jumps up an octave you're have kind of downward pointing melodies for the first couple lines and then the the vocal jumps up into your falsetto and i I just find it super catchy it's another one i was singing along to a lot yeah maybe i'll I'll leave it there and see if i have comments to respond to to you both ryan and jumpy take it away i thought the guitar slap percussion on the guitar sounded good and helped like elevate it out of the normal g and g territory there's also some low strings, like I think it's a cello, that can, comes in on the second chorus. Definitely a nice touch. I think maybe there could have been slightly more of that, but um, I did appreciate the elevation that came with the percussion and the cello to just sort of elevate the the sound, which was great. There are definitely some sweet vocals. I, I love his falsetto voice and pretty harmonies. And there was a particular section of the lyrics that I thought were just a bit of a mess. There's that, um, if I was blue, you were deeper. I was down for the count, a sound sleeper. We were colorblind, inadequate, swimming in an azure sea of, do you know what the next line is? You probably do because it rhymes with inadequate. And I think that word shit just sort of cancels out the poetry of azure sea or some of like, and You know, that whole stanza, that whole section I read has just sort of a lot of metaphors jammed into it. And I don't know, I I think I would take out that line, sea of shit, because it's just sort of, I don't know, it just sort of rubbed me the wrong way every time I heard it. And just because it was telegraphed because of the very strong rhyme, I knew it was coming every time. And I just sort of winced a little bit. So yeah, 
I, I agree with much of what uh, Brian said about the just the intimacy, and I, I like the tale of the broken marriage, and I did kind of funnily question if you can dance to jazz, but I guess you can. Yeah, so th- those are pretty much my thoughts. Uh, what did what did you think, Ryan? Uh, well, I thought it was lovely guitar work, and I thought the guy has a good singing voice. Uh, you know, it's almost G&G, except there's some synth cello in there that I'm going to suggest doesn't add much to the song and maybe shouldn't have been included. Uh, oh. Like the cello, yeah, it, it could have been left off or maybe it could have been utilized a little bit differently or more effectively because it's kind of it's kind of just there and it's a little you know, start and stop. And I think it probably just didn't need to be there is the thing, but, uh, but it's a, you know, it's a very pretty love song and I like pretty love songs. Um, I read the song bio and, uh, I didn't really hear the miles Davis in the song, the, the song blue and green. Uh, but he did say it was more of an inspiration than a quote, uh, or excerpt. So I, I don't doubt the incorporation. Um, you know, all in all, I, I, I liked the song. It was really good. Next, we've got Simansky with Pulp. I come to your place. You've got eggs, bacon, sausage, toast, and a nice cup of coffee. But there's just one more thing that I need. I want something fresh. I want something sweet with a twist. And now, normally, I would be not down with talk singing. Like, generally, when I hear talk singing right at the start of a song, and I know it's going to go on for some verses, I'm usually like, uh, was this a good idea? But Szymanski just nails it. He's got this deep, growly Tom Waits voice that just really grabs me. And the way it's compressed and EQ'd is just perfect. It just sounds... Like, it sounds like a voice where I could listen to him reading off his shopping list and I'd be happy to do that. So I really like that. I think that the first chorus and um, the bridge, when they come in, they both hit really hard because he abandons that talk singing voice and he's just wailing on the like the, the line separate. And he does it two different times and they're both like in a high voice and they both have this classic rock sort of sound to them and it just just gets me in the, all the right ways and that falsetto is just so fantastic and there's some like really like tasteful guitar licks like one he it kind of sounds like him maybe in the left speaker that he's just he's just smacking this guitar and slapping it as he's playing it and it just sounds really like forceful and cool sort of some scratchy sounds in there too and then the I went to look at the lyrics, and he's, I think, literally singing about orange juice, which uh, is not my favorite. I was kind of hoping he could stretch that orange juice separate thing and to somehow make it about something else besides orange juice. And maybe you, yeah. can, you can make that happen in your own mind or, you know, 
it's maybe that's not a problem, but I just kind of wish it was just a little bit deeper of a song because when you have powerful music and great performances, it just calls out for good lyrics. You know, if you could put all of that together, this would be like right up at the top with my of my favorite songs this round. I had this uh, similar comment about it. Like I, you know, I wrote in my notes, is there a metaphor that I'm missing here? Like, but then I, I was also thinking like, well, maybe the whole joke as the notion that he's building up to a chorus that should have like this ribald metaphor, but is instead literally about his favorite type of orange juice. So, which might be the joke, if that makes any sense. Like you're expecting him to get raunchy about, something and he doesn't just talks about <laughs> like the juice. lemon song for example or, you know something like that am i am i spacing out on the lemon song oh it's if it's this blue song like squeeze my lemon well never mind okay it's raunchy right. <laughs> okay yeah yeah well there you go i mean that's the thing maybe he's he's like getting up to it but then no it's actually literally about orange juice and that's the joke and you know, again explaining jokes is the, the best way to, to bring humor out of them <laughs> uh, I thought the song is fine enough. Um, I thought this much like Chumpy. I had some ideas about the spoken word bits. Uh, I thought they seemed kind of like a lazy way to avoid generating verse melodies. And I know that there's a precedent for songs exactly like this with like these uh, blues rock spoken word interspersed with emotive outbursts in the chorus. But, you know, even the existence of the precedent, I don't think it helps this all that much. And I'm going to make a comment that I've already made for another song already. Uh, the lyrics aren't funny enough for it to be a funny song. And they also don't scan as all that soulful. They're just kind of just there. So, yeah, uh, not funny enough to justify a supposedly funny song if that was the aim. But I thought it had a good production and a great performance. And uh, despite, you know, this rant and these uh, criticisms, I didn't dislike this song. So, you know, it's a it's a mix. It's like there's all this stuff that I, you know, if I have to scrutinize a song and I do, then I'm going to find stuff that I think works and doesn't work. But um, but just overall, I like the song. This one for me, guys, is just right at the middle of how being a judge is really hard for me in this round. Uh, I mean, I. I have to say, out of every song, this is the only one where I was kind of wondering, did this actually meet the challenge? And I know it's a real nitpick to say, well, is orange juice orange because it's the name of the fruit or because it's the color? I mean, certainly that word appears several times. It, I guess, is central to this image of a cup of orange juice. But I think you could read it strictly that this is a song prominently featuring a fruit <laughs> rather than a... <laughs> than a color but i i'm not gonna like disqualify i think if anything that might be kind of a tiebreaker for me uh if it comes to it i was also trying to find like what is the like subliminal meaning of 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 pulp or of 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 separation this kind of like separation anxiety thing and i'm i think i'm kind of convinced by your take chumpy that there was another layer of comment on the nature of being or whatever that could be communicated by these symbols. We just needed another step in the lyrics. He's saying, you know, there's more to life than being silky smooth. You know, maybe it's good to have some like roughness in your life. He wants texture. He wants taste. But he doesn't want to separate. He doesn't want to separate the rough parts from the smooth parts of his identity. Like there could really be something there. 
I also kind of felt like this is one of a few songs that I, I wasn't there, obviously, when it was recorded, but it feels like the artist found a good groove they really liked, this little, you know, kind of um, repeating bluesy riff. And then the song just kind of like lives in that vibe for a long time. And the vibe is great. It's undeniably great. But then did they really like build and add all the additional elements to to fully expand from that? This isn't by any means the worst offender in the round. I think there are a few where it's just all vibe. Like the vibe is there. It's cool. It continues and doesn't really change much. This one, we have a great release of the of the choruses that are really well created by the production, as you guys both said. I feel, yeah, I just kind of felt like no verse melody just isn't giving me really anything to like compliment or to to give points for there. Though I agree with everything about the great vocal performance and the quality of the production. Yeah, kind of a mixed one for me, and we'll see how it comes out in the final rankings. So now that you mentioned it, uh, and I think more than once already. Are you assigning points? Oh no, no not so really. Happy, yeah, I'm sorry. If I'm if I'm saying points, that is maybe just a symbolic thing. I just you know, yeah. Um, no. Well, those, uh, some uh, some judges have done that in the past a lot. Actually, a lot of judges I think have mm. done that in the past, maybe just to help them quantify because we are quantifying all this. They, yeah. they do have to be ranked. Uh, I haven't done my rankings yet. Uh, I've got general ideas, and I'm going to have to listen a couple more times, but you're just sort of using that as a, you know, as a phrase, but I uh, guess so. Yeah. I, I mean, just overarching comments toward that extent, and maybe we should have done this at the beginning, but I, I probably did focus a bit on just did the lyrics meet this prompt in a creative way because it was a topic challenge. Yeah. That's something I considered as well. Maybe we could uh, have a section like at the end where yeah. we, we kind of discuss what the rubric we're using for judging these songs is okay yeah you know, let's let's do that if we're not sick and tired <laughs> 32 songs later <laughs> next up we have the dutch widows uh, with their song pastel purple icing pastel purple icing and buttercream and your tradition drink papa seems absent hearts do not bring it cheer The song definitely harkens back to 60s psychedelic numbers, uh, but I think it successfully avoids some of those tropes anyway. You know, I was trying to think of what would tank this song for me as just some jokey take on a 60s psychedelic number. And I think if there was a sitar and a mellotron, I probably would have not just, just not taken it seriously. You know, the bongos and the tambourine do make it teeter a bit on that line, but, you know, gut level, I, I just like the song. 
You know, I like the imagery uh, of the lyrics, which I suspect may have a morbid undercurrent. You know, things like dancing on a pin because of you, you know, it's it, they usually talk about angels dancing on the head of a pin and well you're an angel only after you're dead and there's a bunch of other stuff in there too is that kind of like i thought were maybe clues to something at least a little morbid but yeah i like the singer's voice i like the loops uh and i don't mind the general drone uh, of the song nor the borderline monotone vocals that doesn't mean i'm going to download it uh and i'm not going to like seek it out to listen to over and over you know it's not a head bobber you know it's nothing that you're going to tap your toe to but i thought it was interesting and fine yeah what do you think brian yeah i again this was one where i really appreciated the song bio i just i really recommend folks do that even just to say hey this is where this idea came from it's helpful because what uh the dutch widow songwriter is saying is he was really trying to uh step away from his normal songwriting patterns and, and try to like build a song around a loop and not use rigid structures. And I'm not saying I bump him up the rankings because of that necessarily, but just helped understand, okay, this is a little bit more structureless framework of a song and that's intentional. Uh, I happen to be at the moment, like in the middle of conversations with my own family about how we can not get mad at each other this Christmas. (laughs) So I felt like, okay, for reading my mind about like the need to bemoan uh, the downsides of holidays and stuff. Uh, I appreciated that. Toward the end, I was kind of just like floating away again in like a very successful vibe of the song. And I was trying to place what the reference would be or why it feels like what might in other hands have felt just like a meandering, slow, vibey song. Somehow it like really worked for me. And I think, you know, some slower Yola Tango songs were maybe where this was going for me, where the, the, musicians are just grooving with one another but you're you're content to go along with it it's really subjective but this one i was i was there with it i was happy to float along and that wasn't always the case it's probably the part of it is the good symbolism i mean we've been talking in other cases about finding that line in the lyrics of show or tell and and you can do badly of either of those but i think in this case the pastel purple icing and buttercream is exactly the the specific example to encapsulate the feeling uh, that you know other songwriters might not have done. You know, there's a version of this song that is holidays are so difficult and <laughs> traditions. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, no. literal <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, normally, like when the lyrics are hard to understand and there's really not a story to to latch onto and the the song stays somewhat static there's not a lot of movement and changes in the songs uh i would have thought that this was a recipe for a boring song but i i was able to vibe with it as well and i just kind of enjoyed that dreamy floating like vibe and hearing all about you know what the dish or the dessert they were preparing was all about and the i i did spend some time trying to figure out what the weird holiday in june was that you know they were preparing this this thing for and i spent some time thinking about that and i didn't really figure it out and 
it wasn't a game I really enjoyed playing, but the bio was like, maybe you can guess what holiday the song is about. And I spent too much time like trying to figure that out. And it was a game I really didn't enjoy playing, but there is a holiday in June called World Tapas Day. And there is a line in there about uh, placing forks and spoons and tiny plates. So that was as close as I could come. But yeah, I, I like the song for a lot of the same reasons that you guys did. I like the psychedelic sort of dreamy floaty vibe. And um, I was able to get into it. Huh. Now that you mention it, I, I hadn't even thought about this, but Ube cake is purple. And it's uh, it's sort of a purple yam cake and the Filipino culture, you know, not, not everybody, obviously, but uh, you'll get a fork and a spoon, but not a knife. So I wonder if that's just a connection that I'm making or, or not. I'll, I'll look into it later and see if, uh, see if, see if we can figure it out. I didn't mean to entice you into the game, Ryan, but now you're in. <laughs> well, okay. So the other thing is I, I looked at that too in the bio uh, did he specifically say it was about a holiday? I don't remember. That was the impression I got. Yeah, I mean, because like the the song seems to be about holidays. It mentions Christmas, yeah, uh, and it does seem like you know festive in a lot of ways. It's about cake and it's about candy, and but at the same way, I was thinking like, well, I wonder if it's about a wake or I wonder if it's about, you know, who knows? So, uh, okay, but yeah, I'll I'll see if I uh, if I can get any clues, then um, I'll email the group. <laughs> claim my prize okay next up we had chaz rock with the song hazel green i mean your brain is leaking out your ears hazel green you're solving every problem from tomorrow you've foreseen let's get some sleep and it still hurts, we can weep all through the morning, but I don't think we will. Your mom would call you and Hazel Green is kind of a bopping pop guitar song that you know, has a good tempo to it and a good vocal performance, I thought. I mean, it's a good hang, and the instrumentation really worked for me. It's like it got a it kind of has a lilt to it. You're walking along to the song. In addition to a song I mentioned earlier, I think this one is among those that least met the challenge for me, unless I'm missing something completely in in the lyrics. That seems to me that a, there is a person called Hazel Green, and maybe that itself is kind of a play on words that you know. Hazel is a first name. Green is a common last name. So you can have somebody's name be these two colors. But I didn't see anything else in the lyrics that would have changed or really changed the meaning of the song had this person's name been Lily Smith or, or something. So I think, you, again, and Ryan's mentioned this earlier, <laughs> there's 32 people you kind of live or die in each round one at a time and you kind of have to find a way to stand out and one way to do that is like really like undeniably do something creative with the prompt and i'm not saying chaz that you you completely failed at that it, it's there but i think maybe a way to maybe dig into 
some more color metaphors here. Why is it that hazel green, maybe hazel green's essence as a person or what's compelling about her, you know, has green colored symbolic um, components to it or something. Um, just, just some thoughts. Go ahead, yeah. guys. Okay. I think, well, some of the things that we've mentioned before, and, and I know it's different from judge to judge and that's cool is that some of us kind of think that fulfilling the uh, the challenge is more or less checking a box. I mean, it depends on the challenge. For me, it was pretty straightforward. I think that if they just mentioned a color, whether or not it was in the format of a color being a color or a color being a fruit or anything like that, I was always just sort of fine with it. I said, okay, they checked that box. The word of the color is in the song. So now I just get to rank it on how it goes as a song. But another thing that we've discussed, too, on the podcast is how when we're judging, I think in general, sort of people trying clever ways to subvert the challenge tends to not impress anybody, you know, any of the judges. You know, if we need to argue with one another about whether or not it met the challenge because it was kind of cleverly subverting it in some way or another – then that kind of distracts from the the other parts of the song, whether it was a good song or not. But in in general, I just thought, I just think that we don't think it's cute. So, <laughs> yeah. I but the, but with this, you know, I was fine with words that were colors being colors, and uh, so I I kind of didn't mind this. Again, I thought that it was a, a box that they checked off. I don't, what, what did you think, Jumpy? Yeah. Well, the example was. Uh, Purple Haze was given as an example, and I don't think Jimi Hendrix really, you know, it could have been any color. It could have been, you know, any two-syllable color, and I think it would have worked just as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of feel the same way. It's 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 box checking. I mean, I do appreciate it when someone gets deep into the color and the emotions that come out of that color, and I think some artists do that in this competition, and I appreciate that when they're really trying to uh, embrace the challenge. But for this song, I was willing to, to just sort of check the box as well and not really ding them for using someone's name rather than a color. Uh, what I really liked was the off-kilter, stumbling, like, percussive rhythm. I just thought it was cool, and it was, like, it was very interesting, and it propelled the song forward in this kind of, like, half-drunken, stumbling stumbling way that I really appreciated. I thought there were some nice hooks that there's that line, in the morning, and it's like, I don't think they will. I think they will. Who could have the will, like, or the the sort of call and response to that in the morning line, which I think is a, a nice hook. There's some some nice synth melodies in there. Uh, overall, I, I liked the song and I, you know, I enjoyed it when it came on every time. Uh, so it was it was sort of in the in one of the top buckets for me. I didn't think too deeply about what it meant. Uh, I did like the line, <laughs> make an action plan with you, which is something like, it sounds like something your boss would say when you had poor performance at work, <laughs> which uh, I don't know, just made me laugh when I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, also noticed the, the weird percussion is how I put it, which I really enjoyed uh, also. It's uh, so strange and, and it's such a great kind of meandering melody that just kind of goes all over the place. And I like that a lot. Uh, I, di- I don't mind the affected distortion of the vocals, but I do mind that 60 cycle hum at the beginning and the end of the song. And I'm not sure why that wasn't edited out. You know, Daniel Johnston can get away <laughs> with it. But, you know, unless you're actually recording this on a 
Radio Shack cassette player, then then you know, get it figured out. But it's a fun song. I like how the chorus is essentially that one word mourning. Uh, you know, okay, maybe followed by the next phrase too. But either way, it's it's like two measures maximum uh, for the chorus. And somehow, you know, there's a couple extra beats in the verses that don't make the song awkward. Like, you know, everything has, there's a, a four beat measure and then a four beat measure and then a four beat and then they just add two beats to it. I don't feel like it switched time signatures or anything. I just felt like they just added two beats in there. And normally that would be terribly awkward, but uh, but it sounded fine, I thought. And so it's super clever. And yeah, the whole thing has a lot of fun, a lot of charm, and it's different and interesting and I like it a lot. Right, next up we've got Timothy Patrick Henkel with Slate. Every day the sun returns with yet more things to do. It won't listen when I say I'd rather stay in bed with you. The sky's been clear, so it stays here, leaving the clear sky blue. Feeling that way too, so I pray that the sky will turn to gray when tears can flow. They'll wash away sorrow, chalk from my slate gray. So this may be the most sort of sad and morose song I think we've got in the entire uh, competition. Although there's some competition for that, I think there's some other sad songs in here. I did notice right off the top that the production is a little dark and a little bit muddy compared to some of the other songs that you really hear the full spectrum of the sound, you know, where there's some highs and some lows, where this one's sort of just a little bit darker than the rest of them. I guess that matches the mood, and it also sort of matches uh, Tim Hinkle's like deep, rich vocals, which I think really work well to carry that emotion and that sadness and sorrow. I also thought that some of the lyrics were like sort of poetic and interesting, and like one stanza that I picked out from the lyrics were, every day the ache inside expands to fill the space, burnt in by sun clawed out by air living will life erase kindly obscured by dark clouds my composure i'll unlace and let a small measure of sorrow leak away out of my face so um yeah i thought that was interesting and sad and it sort of worked for me um and the whole you know slate is uh in the palette of gray and i think about you know here in Seattle, we have a lot of gray skies, and I, I know that feeling when you look up at the gray sky and you're kind of feeling blah, like you have to go to work or go to school or something. It can feel really oppressive, and you can sort of, you know, have a connection with the grayness in the sky, which I, I thought worked for me. I really echo a lot of what was communicated here already. I'm looking particularly at a phrase in the chorus. I mean, I've, I really felt this chorus was affecting the production kind of opened up when this arrived. There's a couple songs in the competition where I want to really compliment the creative use of rests or like a shorter phrase at a certain point matched with like a longer wordier phrase next to it and kind of the 
the putting those next to each other can sometimes be really effective. And your chorus kind of does that. It starts out with a more empty phrase. So I pray and you kind of sit in it for a while. And then toward the end of the chorus, I just want to look at the it's it's so good that it's worth kind of like going back for a draft two. And I would anyway change this phrase sorrows chalk from my slate of great like tears can flow that wash away it just like the way that the syllables land on where you're naturally stressing the the melody phrases was just kind of backwards it was sorrows chalk from instead of sorrows chalk from my and and also just the image of sorrows chalk seemed kind of clunky to me so i know that's very like micro focused but I think the chorus is worth it that uh, just like a different turn of phrase that really falls well on the melody there could have been great. Also, just this central image th that I think is being communicated here, which is like you want it to rain. You want it to be dreary outside, but but not just to like feel sad, but but almost like so that the rain can cleanse you and heal you and then you'll feel better through that. Um, it's just it's kind of a cool turn on sunshiny sort of imagery and music and temptations even have this song right i wish it would rain and like, like that came came to mind like the sunlight is too oppressive i need like some rain to to heal me i liked that yeah yeah the, the, the lyrics are good and clever and they bemoan the sunny days and wish for clouds and rain to facilitate his weeping really <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yet yet i didn't feel like this was a bummer of a song so, you know, I, I uh, well, I, sh I should start out here. Full disclosure, uh, I'm a big fan of Tim Hinkle, and we were trying to get him on the podcast for a different competition. And uh, we even owe him a song, but I'm not going to get into that quite right now. But I'll make a play at objectivity by starting with what I don't like about the song, which is the synthesizer. There are like two sound settings that pop up from whatever vintage keyboard he's using. They're in the intro and chorus and the bridge, and those sounds are both just bad, you know. But other than the synthesizer, I admire this song a lot. It's a great chord progression and a wonderful melody. Uh, and I like the weird percussion, which is sort of all over the place. Uh, already kind of talked about the lyrics. Uh, I think they're good and clever. And I also think it's a really good performance. I mean, his delivery and his inflection makes it sound like he's been performing the song for years. So like Brian mentioned, there are some maybe questionable stress syllables, but he's so confident about them that it, I think he sells it. So, you know, it's, it's not something where he's just trying to stumble through it. I think he feels so very, very comfortable in the song and I admire that. Next up, we have Ominous Ride with their song, Gin Black Days. Days spelled D-A-Z-E. Gin Black Days.
thought the song has a bit of a Doors feel to it, and coming from me, that's probably not much of a compliment. The lyrics don't do much for me. I guess they sort of hint at a scenario, but it's not a very engaging scenario. And um, somehow the backing music starts sounding repetitive almost immediately. I did love the vocal harmony that pops up on one of the Gin Black Day's vocal hits before the bridge, I, it, which just is really brilliant and, and you know, uh, really effective. But unfortunately, that great effective harmony only happens once in the song. Uh, and at the end, I thought the breaking glass sound was mixed too loud. And I don't like advance apologies in the song bio. You know, I'd wanted to do that myself for my submission for the song gear fight, but I prevented myself from doing that. And I think it's bad policy to do that sort of thing. I'm not going to harp on that too much, but I just kind of think that, hmm, why don't you just hold off until after judging and then you can say the kind of hardships you went through. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was smart of them to lead with the chorus. I, that was the probably the best part of the song. Uh, that's the, certainly the part that is most memorable. The song really doesn't say a lot and it's it's super vague. I mean, I don't know what gin black days is or are. It's probably maybe when you get blackout drunk from drinking too much gin. But anyway, I found myself... Stop attacking me. <laughs> yeah, do you find that triggering? Uh, <laughs> I found myself like humming gin black days a lot during the, the week while I was listening to all of these songs. So I think it's a really good hook. Um, and I, I really like the organ stabs. I think they add a lot to the, the power of that hook. But I think it's just it needs a lot more flesh on those bones. I mean, it comes in at just over two minutes and, you know, it does have the word black in it. And it's sort of, you know, maybe gin black days, a sort of like purple haze and that it's kind of a, a rock and roll sort of theme thing. But yeah, for, there wasn't just a lot for me to grab onto in this song. And so besides the potent hook, I didn't get a lot out of it. Yeah, I think I'm with you jumpy it's a rocker you're in it the the hook totally works and i love when the song title is the first words that you get and it's so singable uh it's, that bit of it is really undeniable and then you know i guess I, i'm reviewing that i did this for pretty much all the songs then i just got kind of down a rabbit hole even trying to understand what's happening in the song and I, another one of these unanswerable questions that i was asking myself is is gin she are Jin and she the same in the song is or is the days the she or is the she a person and <laughs> you know like songs don't need to be essays i realize like it, it doesn't need to all be um demonstrated but i think just for this song to really set itself apart as truly like a, a top contender in the round i think there just would have been something more of, of substance in, in the message that it's telling me i mean maybe the character you know this character of a frequent drunk, but who's also like really neurotic and self-critical about it or self-aware about it is kind of an interesting character. I don't know that, you know, the, the character in Jimi Hendrix purple haze, like really is regretful about the purple haze. I think it's like <laughs> excited <laughs> to be in the purple haze. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of an interesting take, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Really competently done hooky but maybe doesn't really set itself apart. So the next song we have is by Governing Dynamics called Violet Lies. Violet fragrance so sweetly lethal 
And the question I needed to ask when listening to this song is, am I back in my high school homecoming dance in like 1999 or 2000? Because this was very much just like, I've got my hands on my hip of my date and you know, like, is this Goo Goo Dolls coming <laughs> coming through the stereo? I just like, it for whatever reason, it really put me in that in that yeah, vibe. It's very much of a time. Uh, but I was there for it, you know, like I, I guess, that was a time that was formative for me. <laughs> I appreciated it. What I thought was the chorus of this one is really good. It just seemed like there was like a a verse, then the the pre-chorus verse, and it just took many steps to get to that point. And maybe the this song, as compared to some other we talked about, had like one too many sections in it. I had that exact same note as well. Uh, like I think it took two minutes and twelve seconds before we got to a chorus. And at the end, the fade was 30 full seconds. Okay, but one of those pre-choruses is my favorite part of the song. <laughs> so I'm going to defend it. Sure. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I'll let you keep going, Brian, if you had anything else. No, I, I think, yeah, my last note is I wrote that I would have preferred the three-minute version over the five-minute version of this one. Both so, you know, I could, like, let my homecoming date go back and talk to her friends and I could go, you know, get a punch or something <laughs> after only the three minutes. But... But yeah, I think by the, the three minute mark, then we kind of just repeat pieces over again. And um, maybe that wasn't necessary. I mean, it's governing dynamics. The guy's got a wonderful singing voice. Uh, it's just reliably wonderful. I thought the melody is really good, especially in that pre-chorus. Uh, and it's a lovely, mellow song with interesting lyrics. Lyric-wise, I appreciate the occasional extra internal rhymes that he puts in there. I noticed those. I do, though, feel like the layered singing in the bridge could have been done a little bit better or maybe just mixed differently. You know, I don't think it harmed the song. I, I mean, it wasn't like unpleasant or anything, but it's just one of those things where if it were me, I would have done something different with the tone of the vocals, like especially in the left ear. You know, it, there was just something about it where it, it didn't meld quite as well as I, th I thought it could. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at this point. I was just sort of looking for things to comment about because I thought it was a lovely song that I enjoyed listening to. And, you know, it's more kind of like if this was a jerkatorium song and we were on our last group of edits, it's like, what would I suggest? And uh, and yeah, just a couple of things with with the bridge. I think uh, overall, I was very happy with it. I certainly like the some of the rhymes and there's these lines that go, uh, absences opening circuits i want it but do i deserve it and the silence of your violet skied violence not so much magic as tragic contrivance which i thought was a, a nice set of lines yeah that's it uh yeah it five minutes is hard for me to listen to a sad and morose song and uh i know ryan whenever i try to write a song that is just a little bit sad and morose you're like you hippie stop with the whining <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I find it amusing that, that you're into this. Uh, but yeah, five minutes was a little tough for me to take in that. I know that Travis writes songs that he likes and that they're for him, but he should consider his audience and maybe 
think about focusing some of that intensity. And he's definitely good at conveying that emotion. I think when he sings powerfully in some of those choruses, like he can really express those emotions and the intensity that he wants to get across, but he just, it's a little bit rambling and I think he needs to focus it. That's certainly what I would like to see in later rounds anyway. Next we have Sarah Parsons with Secondary. Me yellow, but not like a taxi, and not like the sun, not quite like happy. Yellow like lines on a hidden highway, a dandelion and the cracks of a driveway. You blue, but not like the sea, and definitely not like a new pair of jeans, or like the moon on a rare cold night, or first place ribbon for a blueberry. And I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't get this right away, but uh, <laughs> a secondary color is a color created when you combine two primary colors. And um, yeah, I didn't get that right away. And I thought it was pretty clever when I did. She talks about like, she's yellow, her partner is blue, and together they form green, the secondary color. So I thought that two people coming together as colors is a really great concept and it's a it's a great take on the prompt so i give her huge points for that i think just a great job in creatively using the prompt i love her vocals she has clear confident sounding vocals she's obviously well practiced in singing and she is a delight to listen to i'm less fond with the sparse ukulele instrumentation and arrangement i would like to see her sort of uh, just do something a little bit more creative with the sort of harmony uh, and the accompaniment. And um, I got the feeling that this was all probably recorded in one take, since there's a little bit of a flub or a hiccup at the end that got left in. And I think that may have just been sort of like, you know, I got to the end of the song without messing up. And this was not a big mess up, so I'm just going to leave it and finish the song. Um, so... Kudos for her for being able to pull off a great performance, but it, at the same time, it wasn't a perfect performance. Like, I think I would have gone one more take just to fix that last flub at the end or, you know, um, maybe do some some tape splicing. I don't know how kids edit these days. <laughs> I feel like you stole some of my notes. And one of the things one of the things that I mentioned about the flub was that, you know, she could have done either additional takes until she got it perfect or she could have you know recorded sort of a separate thing and spliced it in and we know that she can do this because there's an overlapped extra vocal track on this yeah. so we know it's not just her doing everything once all the way through so if she can edit at least a little bit then why wouldn't she edit out the flub yeah i don't know Tell me. Well, it's it, it makes it authentic, Ryan. It's an authentic flub. Oh, that's right. That's the charm. Yeah, it's, it's charm. Errors. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> Brian, save us. Okay, we, we need, we okay. Need help I, here. I can save you. No, perhaps. no, I want to make everything worse. Can I? <laughs> To be honest, as a Spintoons competitor, I'm kind of jealous that Sarah has the confidence to just like write a song, play it in one take, uke and vocals all in one go, and to submit that. Man, at the deadline, I'm like turning the knobs on like track 25 of like the the Shakers volume, and you know what I mean? Like just so much overthinking, and I have to give credit to some amount of underthinking, yeah, too. Um, it just you know, get it out, get it in. Um, which isn't to say this is a thrown away song, I, I want to really give credit where it's due, especially if I've been critiquing other, other competitors for not really going for the the prompt. I mean, this song goes for the prompt, it's not just about colors, it's about like color theory. And I appreciate that swing. I just think maybe this is an example of like, okay, there's some kind of happy balance in the middle that could have been the perfect topper of the of the round. I'm not sure I follow what I'm really meant to understand by all of the image imagery that she is not this kind of yellow, but she's that kind of yellow. Yeah. He's not like a pair of jeans, but he is like Why a blueberry Why is he not pie. like a pair of jeans? I don't even know what that he's, means. He's, you know, he's not rough. He's not. Yeah. You know, oh, you're yeah. Kind of like trying to find it. And it's clear. I mean, it's clear in this case that the prompt wrote the lines rather than the truth writing the lines or, or something. Um, and then like the big thing with this one, and this is, I admit it's like superficial and maybe it's not all that musical, but just secondary as the central image. I, I know that it works in the color theory and like the two of your identities like combine to become this other thing, but then you have to call it secondary over and over. And it's like, <laughs> you know, we talk about somebody being the one or like the most important person in your life. And you're kind of describing your, your coming together, or I shouldn't say you, right? Well, I guess you say me in the song. So I'll say you, the me character in the song it, it is like exulting in this thing, but ultimately it's the second, I don't know. I know like what you're not using secondary to mean second best you're using it to mean it's a step beyond primary we've come together but like that's really into the color theory weeds and i think you have to acknowledge yeah. that there's a more common sense definition of secondary which is at odds with the message i do want to mention that i thought it was a, a sweet and lovely song like it was it's almost a lullaby you know just sort of taking it at stepping back and seeing the big picture of the song and just kind of hearing it uh, as a series of sounds, it, it reminded me sort of a bit of a lullaby. And I also think that a, a lot of my own criticisms are not really valid since I believe, you know, the song accomplished exactly what it intended, you know? So uh, it, it set out to meet the challenge and also be a, a nice, sweet uh, sounding song. So my rankings are going to have to kind of balance all of that. And I'm not sure how this one's going to end up when it comes right down to it. You know, it's a beautiful song with a beautiful voice and a beautiful yet unnecessarily imperfect performance, you know, unpolished tropey G and you. Yeah. Let's move on to the entertainment brothers with their song purple. I bought my kid a bad but it flew away. I've had a 21 year long bad hair. Is the one that I choose 
is getting purple from a singing all these blues. Okay, so during the breaks, around the 50-second mark through the one-minute, eight-second mark, and then again around the two-minute mark, and same sort of a time frame, uh, there's this very high-pitched whistle or feedback or something in the background, which is just horrible. It's like nails on a chalkboard. And I can't imagine that was intentional, but it's also hard to imagine they didn't hear it and try and remove it prior to submission. Otherwise, the music is pretty simple and not particularly interesting, uh, which I'm sure was a conscious choice so that they could focus on the lyrics. Uh, I almost always like hearing backing vocals, but they're not done very well here. And uh, I do like the tremolo on the guitar near the end, and I like the weird organ work near the end. But then at the very end of the song, it ends on a weird sound that is somewhere between a harmonica and a mosquito. And it's, it's more nails on the chalkboard. It's just terrible. Uh, I think the only way to hear the song is very quietly in the background. You can't actually listen to it. The jokes are maybe trying to be a series of dad jokes, and instead they come off as more kind of problematic uncle jokes. It's like... Uh, Ha ha ha, I went to a sex worker and I didn't get laid. And uh, ha ha ha, respecting pronouns is a hardship. And ha ha ha, you know, it's just, it's so awful. And, you know, are, are these jokes actually funny? You know, do I want to listen to a song about shitting the bed? You know, uh, especially with such a dull and smarmy delivery? Well, well, no, I don't. So I guess thank you, Entertainment Brothers, for putting a song on this list that is super easy to rank. <laughs> tell us how you really feel yeah <laughs> right i'll let i'll let you go next and i'll well i I'll mean wrap up. i admit i'd never heard the phrase tongue is getting purple from singing the blues before uh, you know and it's like of all the songs that tried to say this color merges with this color to become another color this is one of the one of the ones that was unexpected and took the theme into something interesting and i i guess like i'm on board with the idea of the song like light-hearted just listing of the blues of your life. And, you know, it's clear that uh, entertainment brothers have fun with the production and like maybe make that mistake that certainly I can tend to make where like it seems like more is more in the moment and you find another cool little sound you can make in the in the audio workstation. But really, you should be subtracting things as often as you should be adding. And I think some of the what you're talking about, Ryan, of the, the little sounds that appear in the breaks yeah, we're kind of unnecessary, um, and those could have been subtracted. Real groaners, though, you know, of of jokes. Even if you have this great turn of phrase that comes to mind, she's got the buns, but I don't have the bread. Okay, like, give you credit for this pun, <laughs> but, like, does it need to come into the song? Tickles me pink, but she left me on red. That one's a little better. I mean, just, I think uh, it's just a tough bar that you're setting for yourself to to be funny, but not like tropey funny and not cringe funny. And I just, I'm not sure that it really works throughout here. And yeah, you're obviously like wading right in to whatever kind of culture wars are just like trolling or trying to provoke a response by in a short song, making sure there's an example about sex work and about trans identity and about sexy stuff and shit. And um, <laughs> wait, shit is not sexy stuff. Well, <laughs> it's what he doesn't called. have the bread, you know, 
It's our. It's the entire title of this podcast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I will say some nice things about this song. Like I, I found the lyrics kind of hard to take, and I groaned at a lot of the dad jokes. And I, yeah, I, I found some of the lyrics problematic. But I thought the their drum sound was probably the best I've heard in in this competition. Like, and just the drums right at the start sound amazing. They're just loud and present. There's great like stick hits and and hand claps. I think the percussion is just fantastic in the song, and I and I do enjoy it for that. I didn't hear a lot of the high pitched buzzing stuff. I think I would have missed that. You know, my ears are not the greatest, and I may have lost some high end as I've become old. So maybe that's on me. So I I did miss some of that. You're not going to blame the Black Flag concerts that you went to. <laughs> there may have been something of that as well. Uh, I I thought the vocalist was good at, at the style he was going for. I mean, he I'm sure that he could do Jimmy Buffett karaoke in a way that many people in the bar would apl- would applaud. Uh, I think he, you know, he's confident. He sounds good. The production um, was a little busy at times, but I thought overall, whoever twiddled the knobs did a pretty good job. Is that silence Ryan completely disagreeing? <laughs> I think it's fine. I had nice things to say about the song, too. I thought the tremolo guitar was good, and the weird organ work near the end was nice. But yeah, it, was it still did get weird towards the end. Yeah. 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 But all, all in all, you know, some of that stuff was it was nails on a chalkboard, on the ears, and on the mind. Up next is the brew house sessions with hashtag FFC0CB. I mean, this is another one where the prompt inspired some pretty creative thinking. And what we have here, if I understand it, is a song from the perspective of the HTML color hashtag FFC0CB, which is some is pink. It's like bright pink. And we're hearing this color tell the story of why it's important to be showy and you know live you know be proudly who you are and strut your stuff as you're out there on the street and the 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 main kind of conflict for me is the digital world and digital kind of like central idea but all the examples being so like vividly analog or real world and i kind of just like couldn't get my head around that exactly and and i guess i'm again like kind of diving to the lyrics as a first level and we'll get into the to the music, but um, oh, oh wait, wait, hold on a second, Chumpy. Are you going to be able to elucidate that point, or uh, no? Uh, so okay, <laughs> I, right, I also so... thought that just the it was the digital stuff was also at odds with the the sort of rocky live sound that they have. Gotcha. 
The thing is, uh, Chumpy's our computer. Everybody, everything, every knows everything. He's uh, he built computers, and uh, he was chummy with Turing um, <laughs> while they were <laughs> while they were working on the Enigma project. So I, no, I'm he, a nerd like most people. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, so I'm can sorry. you help us? No, it's okay. So can you help us come up with like? I just these examples are so like they're out on Main Street. You're in a Cadillac down Main Street. You got a pink suit on. You're like giving autographs. And I think what the I could be getting this wrong, but I think what the lyricist is imagining is that this is literally hashtag FFC OCB doing those things like inside the digital world with like the other digital colors. Or did I completely make that up? <laughs> I think you made that up. Like my notes okay, say okay. I don't get it. Why is pink good? Okay. Why is it awesome to be pink? Is this a metaphor or something for being famous? Like I didn't get well, it at all. Well, yeah. Well, I thought it, I thought it was more about just somebody being pink when everybody else is gray. Yeah. And he may have even used sort of grayscale. And I think that's maybe the only reason that he's so famous is because he's the only one who isn't gray. But then I guess I guess I don't even know what this hashtag FFCOCB or C0CB. Uh. <laughs> so if it is a like flamboyant, confident dude on a literal analog world main street, then why does he? I don't just like it doesn't work to me that he knows the the, the, <laughs> the HTML color. color. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, like it could just you know be like pink. I love pink. You know, <laughs> um, I've got nothing against like words to live by. Down on main street, you got to show your stuff. Like I, I love that as a song idea, and you know that it's pink. As the color, the digital thing, I don't think the the lyrics you wrote ultimately supported the initial like kind of joke idea you had. And those guys do have a, a somewhat of a dated sound too, right? I mean, they have a great live energy, and I think they sound they sound together great as a band, but it doesn't sound digital. It sounds very analog. So yeah. it's, it's 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 weird to hear them singing about nfts and like hexadecimal color representations it just felt like some cognitive dissonance for me yeah yeah i mean i mean the background music is just really straightforward simple rock and roll but i don't know i mean what i like about it is that the lead vocalist is really really going for it oh yeah he is and like there's i think when he sings oh yeah that oh yeah is really satisfying it's like pink as can be oh yeah and he just really leans into it and it sounds great and you're like oh yeah i I love a good oh yeah as much as the next person yeah yeah we've had a lot of lackadaisical lead singing so far in this list and this guy's really you know putting in the effort yeah it it even seems like like the only dynamics in this song are coming from the lead vocalist you know i i know that there are like bits where all the backing music goes silent except for the drums but other than that it's sort of the kind of same feel to the backing music throughout the song you know there's the rock piano there's the rock bass the drums and the noodly guitar all the way through, all just kind of doing the same thing from the beginning to end. But the uh, the lead vocalist is really, it's a, it's a real performance. Yeah, real performance. What do you say we move on to Cave Dwellers with Chartreuse? Pale green or pale yellow, it's all the same to me. It's all the color of the foulest jealousy. It's all the color of my own complexity 
It's all the power of yearning The payback I've been earning If I was in your shoes Drinking your chartreuse French brandy at your lips A deadly widow's kiss Poison on your tongue Setting like your sun I remember what I said I'd rather you were dead And you know that chartreuse is a color, it's a green color, but it is also a kind of anise-flavored liqueur. And um, for a while, my friend Brian, who's been on the podcast before, was really enamored with this particular liqueur. And I remember one time we drank too much of it, and the hangover from chartreuse is terrible. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's super sweet and syrupy. And oh, I've never felt sicker than the night after Green Chartreuse. It was just. Uh. But anyway, uh, on to the song. So I, I love Truth's uh, deep, rich voice, and I think it sounds great here. The uh, backing vocals also sound really good. Like the production on this song is is great, and it, I feel like it's aiming for a very specific year in the 1980s. And I can close my eyes as I listen to it. And I can almost visualize what the fashion looks like in the MTV video for this song. And I every think... time you go away by Paul Young, <laughs> Lady in Red, Let's Dance by David Bowie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cool. And it's like, uh, and you know, the guitar tone is like just really hammers that time period home. Uh, the music is really good, and it really uh, hits the target of what I feel like they're aiming for. Um, I really love the guitar solo and the both of the solo and it comes in again at the outro, which is great. And I know that the lyrics, they evoke a feeling of like a murderously bad relationship, but I don't know why. Like, I know that there's like all of this references to like, remember when I said that I thought you should be dead or something. And then so it's just sort of vague. Like, why does this person want to murder their lover? I don't know. There's this maybe vague idea that it might have to do with jealousy. I also note that a widow's kiss is a drink made with brandy, Benedictine, and chartreuse. Um, and it sounds gross. Like I, I, I definitely would not drink one. Well, I'll tell you what, what doesn't sound gross is the song Chartreuse by Cave Dwellers. It's yes. one of my favorites from the round. And the, the like, as I was listening to them on Shuffle Up the first time, and we have to listen to 32 songs. This was the first one where I said, you know what? Nope, I got to repeat. I got to do this one over again. I wanted to hear it again straight away. I love the vibe of this one. Um, so I'm coming in on that later. Go ahead, Ryan. Maybe you can. Oh, well, you're, yeah. You're well, going. Was... You might as well roll with it. I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go so, I mean, like, so, like, I just love that both of us back to back can say you can close your eyes and just see. For me, there, the singer of this song, it's like a it's a rainy night in a big city. He's got like a big trench coat on and there's the neon lights from the city are sort of reflecting. But he's all in his own head. I, I can just like see a whole scene of this kind of like ominous dude in an urban night. <laughs> like <laughs> yep. having these like these ominous thoughts is kind of like i had it down as kind of adorn era miguel which is a more recent reference but like his pulling 80s reference from even 
I don't know if this is a niche reference, but the Blue Nile. And I like really love this band, the Blue Nile from Scotland. And there's for me to give this is just, I don't know, high praise to compare to, to what's so compelling about just a whole landscape that you feel like you're a part of in, in one of their songs. That said, um, I'd Rather You Were Dead the, as the closing line is really yeah. stark and menacing and you want your you know ominous hero to be ominous but maybe um stick with the the more of the symbolic the the second verse is amazing in this you know the images of um subterfuge and poisoning and so on is saying i'd rather you were dead much more powerfully than that phrase itself um but another run on the lyrics and this is a a total hit for me Full disclosure, uh, I'm a big fan of Glennie's projects, and he has been on the podcast in the past. Uh, but anyway, uh, Truth has such a great singing voice. You know, like as as soon as you hear him, you know you're in good hands. And uh, this song has such a great groove and vibe, just like everybody else has already mentioned it. And the style is wonderful. Uh, I really get that sort of Paul Young meets David Bowie vibe. It's very enjoyable. I love the backing vocal ooze and that Joe Walsh Hotel California guitar solo is perfect for the song. The lyrics are evocative and stylish. Uh, I have so little to say about this song, though, because I just enjoy it so much. You know, I don't know what what it's doing here in this competition because I think it should be on the radio. You know, I think it should be on a playlist with Lady in Red every time you go away and let's dance. And... um, you know, it's my favorite song of this round uh, by far. I'm very happy to have another song that's super easy to rate. Um, so, yeah, way to peak early, guys. Uh, from <laughs> here on out, you can only disappoint me. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Jealous Brother doing Lemon Tangerine. Hashtag Free Britney. She was a Okay, this is nice, but isn't it a bit of a ripoff of Good Morning Starshine from Hair? Uh, Like, it's good, it has a good groove, and of course, it escapes the Good Morning Starshine comparison when it doesn't go into the bonkers chorus of that song. Uh, But yeah, I I like this song anyway. You know, it clearly diverges from Good Morning Starshine in several places. Uh, The guitar sounds fabulous, and I really like the vocal performance. You know, it's nice, it's catchy, it's a head-bobbing song in a playlist that thus far has had uh, not all that many kind of head-bobbing songs. So this was nice to hear, um, and I liked it a lot. I appreciate that take. I guess I hadn't thought to put it in exactly those terms. Like, they're in a, in a round of a lot of 
vibey, low-key songs. Just the fact that the next song comes on, it's snappy. Uh, there's bright images in it. I'm on board for that. I did not. Some of these songs, you know, you always listen to a completely new song and like some little melodies like scratch some corner of your brain. Like, wait, have I maybe heard that a little bit too closely in some other song previously? I didn't place Good Morning Starshine until just now. But yeah, Jealous Brother, your first line of your uh, for, of your verse melody is um, that one made it into your brains whether intentionally or not from an existing source I think yeah it was it was particularly hard to come up with it too I had to like go to the piano and try and figure out now what do I know this song from because good job because it's like all all of the lyrics that came to my head were shooby dapa doo bop booby dapa doo bop da 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 chorus and doesn't really fit but it's kind of like so what the heck is it and so I had to uh, backtrack, but anyhow, yeah, sorry. And I don't expect that Jealous Brother by any means were like purposely trying to sneak some plagiarism here. Like, this totally happens. You like, you get these melodies bouncing in your head, and it came from somewhere. Um, oh, yeah, you know, no, yeah. Chumpy is is infamous for hiding when he knows that <laughs> I've accidentally stolen something from somewhere else. <laughs> you know, later on, somebody mentions, you know, this this uh, pre-chorus sounds exactly like this other thing from a, you know, some really obscure band called the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Ryan. Don't right. tell Ryan. He'll take it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's part of my trauma. You know, uh, I didn't know what it was either. I just knew I had heard it before. I thought it was uh, from that Tom Hanks movie where there's a band called The Wonders. Um, and uh, it, I thought it was from that and I went and listened to that to see if, but it wasn't exactly that but it had some of the same elements you know great jangle pop classic sounding backing vocals and harmonies uh, I really love the tasteful country guitar licks and I thought they really nailed that particular style but I was trying to figure out what the style they nailed was and so, yeah, it, it is Good Morning Starshine. I can I can hear it now that Ryan found it. Yeah. So disqualified. <laughs> Next. Uh, did you guys did you guys know what the yellow dress is about and why Britney wore a yellow dress? Well, yeah, I mean that was the most compelling part to me, and it took us a long while to get there. And I think the song kind of acknowledges that there's this hyper fan community around Britney trying oh. to interpret interpret like what messages she's providing to the world and her emojis on Instagram or what color dress that she chooses to wear. But I think there was like a nugget of that story that needed to be the focus. And I didn't like actually take the time to Google this, but part of me wondered like, is the actual phrase lemon tangerine anything in the Britney verse? I don't and think if so. Not okay. And if not, and it was just kind of like creative words to say a yellow dress then, and it rhymes uh, yeah. with submarine, I think. is Well, the that point. was a problematic thing. Yeah. If you're going to stick with tangerine, it's hard to rhyme. Submarine <laughs> rhymes. And I'm a fan for like when the melody kind of maps onto what the words actually mean. But the end of the chorus with that word submarine, where the chorus just like ends on this kind of downward plop instead of like something that matches the star shiny vibe that was the one where okay the lyric choice is so clunky it's obviously just straight out of the rhyming dictionary and i didn't know why the that last melody line um didn't take us somewhere more happy i assumed it was like some connection with yellow submarine from the beatles or something but apparently a fan posted like on one of her instagram or tiktok posts like wear yellow if you need help and her very next like tiktok posting she was wearing some yellow top or something uh, I, I certainly enjoyed the song and I liked it because it was it was an uplift from some of the more uh, 
uh, morose and sort of serious songs. Okay, so we have Brian Gray up next with his medley, I suppose, or two songs in one, Purple Dot slash Something Like Home. Fit the thing to the other thing, maybe that'll compensate for that odd base 12 quirk. Out of time, what was once a dot everywhere, and how, how the, the hell does any of this crap work? Oil cup down, on the gudgeon pin, buckle up now, cause we're coming in, what's that sound? And are we spinning? Just a nascent for the purple dot, nudge flame instead of a purple dot. Five years to fly to the purple dot, only to die. Down. Screams of panic yielding to the hushed sound of everybody wondering if the plasma drive exploded or misfired. Are we still alive? Or is this just what happens when you're not? Touchdown. I said at the beginning of this podcast, each song reveals its own universe to you, and as a judge, you want to keep some kind of objective standard, but also you know, provide comments that work within the universe of that song, which necessarily means they're different. And this is obviously like the, the peak example of that. This is a, like a sequence from a one-act musical, or maybe it is the entirety of a one-song musical of um, deep space colonization. And wow, everything from the... The meticulousness of the production, the like perfectly evoking that kind of chorus on stage feel uh, to the way the chorus melody from the first portion of the song then reprises at the very end, but having traversed a long emotional journey in between. I mean, this is hitting on quite a lot of notes that would make it really work in that setting. And because Brian is clearly like super capable and has given himself, you know, like in gymnastics, the the level of difficulty that's so high that if you still kind of stumble in your landing, you still crush everybody else. And I'm not I don't think this is going to be my number one song on the list necessarily, but like it's he's clearly like in a in a kind of a category of his own here. So just my hats off to him for quite a lot of this. But within the world that this song is creating, I thought the first portion was over a little quick and um unless you've spent some time and this is what musicals are sometimes like but unless you've spent a lot of time with it and already know what's coming it's like i could not understand this bass 12 quirk and (laughs) sorry so we haven't we haven't heard a specific word yet and so i mean do you know what this is about i don't think he does ryan i know oh my god Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe I don't know what it's about. <laughs> well, there, yeah, like, I mean, you, there's no reason purple? that a casual listener would. Oh, He's dang. Did Brian just get me? Like, there's some some computer-based 12 thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. Does, 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 does this name mean anything to you? <laughs> I can't even get does the name Does the name Glebelglorp mean anything to you? <laughs> no. No? No. <laughs> well, there you go. That explains it. <laughs> Okay, that explains it. Sorry. Oh, dang. This is a TV <laughs> reference. No, no, it's a Brian no. Gray thing. Exactly. Uh, it's a Brian Gray spin tunes thing, to be absolutely specific. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Brian, I'm sorry. I'm such a noob. <laughs> <For> <laughs> the glory of Glebogorb. 
Oh my, oh my god. Okay. It's this whole epic thing that he's been doing in song form for, I think, maybe two spin tunes running now. Uh, I think we even refer to it as the Gleebel verse is the song in the Gleebel verse. And so he's like, yeah, he's building this whole epic thing. And this is just, and I think he even mentioned which two, uh, two of his songs, this falls in between, but I think your criticism is valid. Like, you know, a casual listener is not going to know anything about the Gleebel verse or the whole story or the context. And you kind of have to expect the song to stand on its own. Yeah, and I mean, it should be able to be judged by a, you know, by a Brian, by a boy on the wall. Um, so, so I, I'm sorry to to have interrupted. It's just like I'm I'm kind of going like, wait, wait, wait. Let's get a little context here, because. Uh, I mean, uh, I I'm I'm actually my... pretty appreciative that I I heard it fresh. You know, this is my like first <laughs> step onto the insanely purple Gleeble verse or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the melodies that like the morning after I heard all the songs like purple, everything is so insanely purple like that. That was in my head. There's great lyrics here. I wanted to I wanted to pull out. Where's the one with um, manifested destiny? And yeah, uh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's just like 30 billion tattoos of a songbird sing of hope for bringing out the best in you, achieving what you're manifestly destined to instead of merely coming out alive. Woo. Great job. The one about something, yeah, completely, completely. The one about something taking root, uh, takes fancy to a root in a lot. I I didn't get that one. That one could do, could use another go. Um, But wow, I mean, like a song like this, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't want to take up too much time. Go ahead, guys. I this, I had another great like section that I that I thought that I wrote down. Touchdown, screams of panic yielding to the hush sound of everybody wondering if the plasma drive exploded or misfired. Are we still alive? Or is this just what happens when you're not? I thought that was awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm jealous. Brian Brian Gray is some sort of maniacal genius. Um, like, I love everything about just how epic this song is. I mean, there are horns and timpani, and then there's these, these queen esque like harmonies, like from um, what is what is that queen song I'm thinking of? Anyway, uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> it's like when all these you know super lush harmonies come in in the first part, and it just you know it definitely sets that that stage you're in a musical or in something cinematic. And um, there's just that it's just so triumphant sounding in parts. And it's the, the timpani and the horns that, that really sell that, that feeling and this and all of the storytelling. It's just, it's just so powerful and incredibly dramatic. And I didn't want to like it, like, cause I'm a little bit annoyed about the whole Gleeble verse thing, just because of all the context. Like, I don't want to know all of the details of the Gleeble verse to get into the song. And I, and I didn't want to like it, but I do, <laughs> I, I do like it. I didn't want yeah. to. Yeah. Well, to bring back the curtain, just a little bit on this whole judging thing, you know, uh, Chumpy and I texted back and forth a lot about this song starting very early and at first tilt, you know, I couldn't tell whether I thought it was delightful or tedious, but pretty soon, you know, perhaps as some sort of Stockholm syndrome sort of thing, <laughs> you know, I figured that I admire and respect the just the brilliance uh, of this song. You know, uh, it's epic and dramatic and wonderful. 
I'm not terribly fond of the fake brass in the very beginning of the song. Uh, the fakeness gets a little annoying and distracting, but the song is a very enjoyable, rousing accomplishment on all levels. You know, the concept, the lyrics, the production, the performance, not to mention how, you know, it's essentially like two complete songs, like uh, like Brian mentioned. You know, the intro section is a great song in itself, really. And then, you know, just little bits like the kind of, you know, things that you quoted, but also just something as simple as Home on the Strange is a nice touch, you know. So, I, uh, yeah, it, it's wonderful. And again, just like the others, you can only disappoint us from now on like he's done before <laughs> with boy in his kumquat tree so sorry to call that out but still you know so next up we've got good guy sojabe with gray i used to find comfort in your echo bouncing back to me some great ways to begin a song and some not so great ways but a killer bass line is a great way to begin a song and this song begins that way it's got a a great great bass line and like the cave dweller song i feel like there's a very specific time that this song slots into perfectly it's like late 80s early 90 like alternative goth and this song just like hits all of those buttons for me it's got like scorching lead guitars and like the way that the they build to the chorus just sounds just nicely epic. And then there's like some gorgeous, gorgeous guitar tones and settings. Normally I don't geek out about these things, but like I want to know what combination of delay and reverb they use to get some of those just amazing like lush waves of guitar sounds that they do in like the post-chorus come down. It's just super good. And the, the singing is just, it fits perfectly into that 80s alternative goth mold. And this song just knows what it wants to be and just does it. Sometimes I, I have a hard time with some of the Good Guys Sojave songs. Sometimes they're very grunge oriented and I sort of, like they, they hit various 90s notes that I've kind of heard a lot of and I, I don't necessarily want to hear any more of. And sometimes some genre biases can creep in when you really nail a particular uh, genre. But, you know, th- these guys did such a good job with this. I can't fault them for that. I think this is one of my top songs. It's definitely in the top, you know, the top third, I think, of my rankings. My main critique of this is that the lyrics are, are, you know, I like specificity in lyrics and I like to know what the song's about and I really love it when 
I'm listening and I don't know what it's about and then finally something clues me in and it dawns on me and the whole thing fits together and it means something and it means something interesting or it teaches me something. This song, the lyrics just seem kind of vague and I really don't know what it's about. Like some of the lyrics have some kind of interesting lines and uh, some, you know, like poetic things about them. Like there's this section that goes, uh, the time we spent in the ether flying on gilded wings and what was kept was what we treasured memories, not things, you know, I thought that was pretty good, but I still really didn't get an overall sense of what they were trying to communicate and like, you know, how the color, I don't want to be too much of like, how did they use the color gray? What did it come to symbolize? And, you know, I don't want to get too much into that, but I just, I just wish there was more, of you know some lyrics to really latch on to yeah i wrote down need some less lyricsy lyrics <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> like, uh yeah i don't know like if uh, I, maybe it's too rude to say that kind of like random emotional lyric generator might have produced yeah. something like a dance alone skies fade but you know like this is a completely sturdy song i'm gonna rate it in the top half uh, just like the way the pieces build and build and build. And then there's this, you know, the by the time the chorus comes, it is a big explosion. It's I'm going to try to be cautious. It's not necessarily my like genre fave either, but I can, you know, with this and some other songs in the round, like maybe it's not the kind of bands I would gravitate toward normally, but like really respect the craft and really echo most of what you said, Jumpy. I also uh, like the song. Uh, I like the the cure guitar sound and the phaser. Uh, the melody is good and the song progresses really well. The guitar work is really cool. But if I don't rate it as high as some of the others that I enjoyed, then I'm sure that's due to the song being, you know, a little gloomy and slow. And I know that was on purpose. Uh, that's how the song is supposed to sound, but I can't help but give overall appeal a lot of weight in my ratings. And you know, part of overall appeal is something that I want to listen to again, something that's uh, that makes me feel different than gloomy and uh, morose. Uh, I do want to defend the lyricy lyrics because, I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I think at least with Chumpy and I, a lot of our favorite bands have very, very lyricy yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. That'd be hard to pin down for, you know, uh, on exactly kind of what they're talking about. Uh, I'm it's totally true. I, I was saying it earlier, but this was one of the real dilemmas of judging for me this round is like the the perfect balance of like if the lyrics are too much, like what was the one we said? I like we had a song with lyrics like I'm really stuck in my job and the only satisfaction I have is buying things. Yeah. You know, that's literally the lyrics. That's too literal. And then yeah. if there's one that's like too much like you have nothing to really um hang your hat on that's too symbolic but and so like somewhere in the middle but like where that middle lands from song to song can be different and i think it's totally fair to kind of see it differently yeah well i, I know in earlier podcasts i'd kind of mentioned that i don't think people care all that much about lyrics i'm wrong i know that but uh but in general i i kind of stick by that in terms of what i'm looking for you know i'm I want a, a song with a really good gut feeling and lyrics that certainly shouldn't get in the way of that. But if they're more or less unintelligible and they don't just sort of bring up these associations that are unpleasant, then 
then it's all good. So, you know, thank you, John and John. Uh, they might be giants and et cetera, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really great when the lyrics are extremely suggestive, but they don't necessarily spell out exactly what they're trying to say and they're really open to interpretation. But like, I feel like that you put an interpretation on them that you're sure is what the author intended or what the songwriter intended or maybe that you just wish that's what they intended. Like, I think I think there's an art to writing lyrics that are loose and open and open to interpretation and every sort of listener interprets it one way or the other. There might be some jealousy coming out of me too because I just, I, I, I write story songs. My stories often have just like a person by name in it and just like, I don't know, I, when I sit down to write I can't do the lyricy lyrics, so maybe that's all that's happening. So Jabby is, I'm just jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to be jealous of in this song. Yeah, yeah. There's there's things that are kind of neat to see other people get away with that mm-hmm. you might not want to be able to do yourself. Like, like that. I think we have a lot of very you know very literal lyrics, Dricatorium and matchy matchy. And like another thing is lyrics that don't rhyme. That's tough. You know, you I kind of admire it when it's done really well. But yeah, it's sort of another example of things that I can't imagine really doing myself. Yeah. But uh, I really appreciate it when I, when somebody else does it really well. All right, let's move on to Jocko homomorphism with Eigenbrow. The rhythm track is really cool and engaging, uh, so much so that I wish it were a little louder and not so overpowered uh, by the bleepy synth sounds that come in. Uh, I think those bleepy synth sounds might have been a little overused, maybe a little loud, uh, but they're—I mean—they're still good. They're still very, you know, fun and entertaining and everything. Uh, I like the lyrics and I like the doubled harmony vocal line, uh, but the emotionlessness of the delivery is not very engaging. Uh, I do love how it uh, glitches out at the end. And I really enjoyed this song every time I heard it Uh, and it's original and it's inventive. uh, So it'll probably be in the upper half of my rankings. I know I spent some time kind of harshing it on a couple of very specific items, but, but I liked it every time I heard it and I looked forward to it. Yeah. um, This one made the largest move on my initial like ranking. So it started off at the, on the bottom half and then it made a huge jump up into the top half as I listened to it more. Um, I didn't like it at first. I thought that the, the vocal melody in the verses was sort of relentless and it was hard for me to really vibe with at first, but I think that that sort of relentlessness makes the change up in the chorus melody that much more powerful. And that's, I think what grew on me. 
I really, I love the, how varied the synth riffs in between the sung lines and the verses are. Like, they're all different in their own little way. And, like, I have a feeling Jocko spent a lot of time, like, twiddling knobs on his analog synth to get all of those really cool sort of riffs to happen in, on the synth. And I think they add quite a lot. Uh, so I know maybe, Ryan, you found them a little bit tough and or maybe you wish they were a little quieter, but uh, I thought they added a lot of interest. Um, the concept of this, of Eigengrau, of being like this state half between awake and asleep, I thought was really interesting. And I thought like that color that you perceive when your eyes are closed is the Eigengrau. And I, I didn't know of that concept or of the, the German word for that. Uh, so I, I thought that was that was interesting. I, I definitely found and I think it, I found myself really liking the song as it went. And it may have been just because I thought it transitioned really well in the playlist, since I always listened to the same order. The Good Guy Sojabe song would finish, and then this song would come in, and it was just a fantastic palate cleanser in its difference from the last song. And it always caught me like, oh, yeah, it's this song, and this is this is interesting. Um, so I may, it may have benefited some from the order, and maybe I should have randomized as I listened. But yeah, this song I didn't like at first, but... It became uh, it became one of my favorites. Another unanswerable question that I did not think I would be asking myself, but now I am because of my role here. Do robots have eyelids, <laughs> or what kind of robots have eyelids? Because the the I guess there's nothing right in the text of the song that says I am a robot singing about this, but it's very much that craft work. We are the robots. Like that's the singing style that's happening and. Maybe there's a Jocko homomorphism verse that I don't know about where like that character sings that way always. I was kind of wondering that also, but that's the kind of, that's right at the heart of the song. Obviously it's like plunk, 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 plunk. The, the melody repeats, it's slow. It, it, the um, kind of, And I choose the phrase plunk to describe the <laughs> each note of it intentionally. Yep. Um, but yeah, I agree. At the same time, like I'm there with it. Part of why I'm there with it is it stands out from the rest of the songs. I'm there with it because the the production is cool. <laughs> the the rhythm track is interesting. And the concept, uh, yeah, like you said, Chumpy, I had never heard of this term, but this is exactly the way to take the prompt, uh, use something like really interesting and musical like that's that concept deserves to be a song like the state of being in between things is good to sing about um but then we just have the pretty busy production and robotic singing which if that's your thing jocko <laughs> then stick with it if that's just like who you are everywhere but i think especially like you're describing a scene of lying down relaxing being completely alone and like dang your production is just not leaving you alone <laughs> like it, it's busy but um maybe i'm missing your your purpose there but yeah i liked it though this will be you know this will be in certainly the the topper uh, you know the upper <laughs> topper the <laughs> like upper part of my ring Okay, I think um, in the interest of time, let's keep going. I think as I was up next to introduce Flubbabub and their song Indigo. In her studio, she works so diligently, preferring solitude with a brush in hand and a pile of CDs. 
the kitchen window is a spring of inspiration. The same scenes bathed in different light. Depending on the time of the day, or the month of the year, or the weather. Uh, and Indigo is, was I wrong? There are a couple, and this is not to take away from either of the artists, but a couple very low spoken style, like male singers that, you know, evoke the national. And I kind of wrote in my notes, there's some folks who really admire the national in this competition right now. This one was in that mode. So I hate to say it, but another just kind of like slow, deep song, which is fine. There's plenty of songs that way. There's sometimes the vocal rhythm against the instrumentation. You're sort of missing the beat occasionally. And I couldn't tell, like, is this character and their singing kind of disinterested in that way and on purpose? Or was it just kind of like maybe another vocal take with more attention to the rhythm? There's a part in the chorus, I think, where like the drums kind of pull back and it's like this almost syncopated toms thing and then that's all trying to be creative with the beat and then your vocal melody or your vocal performance isn't right on the beat either so it just kind of feels like a jumble like suddenly the tempo of the song or the rhythm of the song is just was lost to my ears and i doubt that was intentional i like you know this is one where just looking at the lyrics i can already sing the chorus in my head and that's a great thing like the the chorus lyric or sorry the chorus melody is beautiful and there's a nice release when that chorus comes i'm gonna suggest that it was probably intentional, all sure. that stuff. And I, I say that because I, if I remember right, I think that a lot of the vocal lines were doubled up and the guitar followed the vocal line or vice versa. So, I mean, like, I, I even kind of noted that the rhythm seems to be occasionally broken up or extended as needed. These occasional unexpected bumps or turns that aren't really awkward or jarring but it's more like oh there's another line okay that's that's nice or oh the chorus is starting already okay that's nice you know it's just sort of like a, these nice little kind of turns and twists and surprises that were not all that really surprising it was just like a, a nice little pleasant oh okay the the chorus is starting already that's sweet but yeah, I, I like the song a lot. I thought it has a lot of appeal. The vocals and guitar and the bongos are good. I love how I never know what I'm going to get from Flebia. It's really nice. It's mellow. It's pleasant. Uh, it's good lyrics infused with extra rhymes here and there. The only thing I didn't like is the abrupt cutoff, which was I thought was a little sloppy. At the very, very end, it just kind of like goes blip. Okay, done. Yeah, I, I like the overall feeling of the song, and I was able to sort of put myself in that world and kind of close my eyes and listen and sort of sink into the the shoegaze sort of psych sound. To me, it, it sounds a little bit like My Bloody Valentine. You know, like when you listen to a song, you put your own interpretation on it. Like you have to sort of fit it into your mental model of like what kind of song it is, especially if it's not really clear. So I think we all sort of try to put it someplace. Uh, I, I like that the lyrics didn't rhyme. I I thought that the the chorus melody was nice and it 
the way it kind of bumped along in a dreamy, like not particularly rigid within the bars sort of way worked really well. I, I kind of wished it had a few change-ups here and there. Like, it is a little bit samey throughout the entire thing. Like, there's not a lot of change in instrumentation or things, you know, elements, you know, don't come out in mass. You know, there's not a lot of change in dynamics, I thought. But, like, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And I thought the concept was, like, a little bit strange. So the, the singer, like, <laughs> went to a market and saw a painting that he was enamored with but like felt like that the other people were underappreciating it or like that, you know, it was like, oh, I can admire how great and wonderful this painting is, but how come no one else can see that? Or I don't know. I thought that was uh, just sort of an odd take for a kind of an odd song. Well, I don't completely get it. I think I admire it. So what do you say we push through and we talk about Disco Silver by Menage Two? Silver, shine, 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 shine. Ooh, silver, shine, 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 shine. Ooh, silver, shine, 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 shine. Ooh, silver, shine, 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 shine. Shining in the lights of the disco Silver sparks intoxicate the dancers Mirrored ball that spins as it flashes Silver shoes and white polyester Twirl and spin the floor is electric Everything is flashing and shining Silver glitter twinkles on moist skin as you shine, 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 shine. Ooh, disco silver. Oh, disco silver. This was a song that I did not expect to get stuck in my head. I started off like not really liking the song i feel like the way that the lyrics were kind of or not the lyrics excuse me but the the vocals seemed a little bit pasted on to the backing track in a kind of a distracting way and there are some there are some kind of bum notes that you hear in the in the vocal delivery and that's a little bit distracting but the hook is extremely powerful <laughs> like i woke up in the middle of the night having to go to the bathroom and i'm walking to the bathroom and in my head i'm going oh disco silver shine 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 <laughs> and i'm like where is this coming from <laughs> and like it was just no i seriously like, i woke out of a dead sleep and my mind was playing that it's like oh wow this really stuck with me like the synth strings are a little bit cheesy like a lot of what what you hear in the instrumentation you're thinking these are midi instruments i can hear that <laughs> um but it, it still works like they they're th this, the song is very thematically disco <laughs> and the backing track does all the right things to just hammer that home and the the lyrical tape the lyrical take on the song is a bit cutesy for me. Like the first, the first part celebrates disco and all of the, you know, the wonderful '70s disco 
things that you know would happen. There's the the, the, sh- the shining silver ball and you know bodies moving and the club and the sweating and the probably the drug use, which maybe I just invented, probably wasn't to the song, but I thought about. And like you know, so the 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 singer would go to these discos in the 70s and dance and just have these fantastic times. And then a little bit later, now that they're older and their hair is silver and they're a grandmother, and they hear like the Bee Gees like in the grocery store while they're looking at canned goods and they are dancing with their grandchildren like in the grocery store. It's interesting and it's a little bit too cute for me. So I didn't particularly care for that take. I just wish they would have celebrated disco and all that came with it. I had some really strong feelings about this song. Like I didn't want to listen to it at times because I had a hard time with some of the vocals and the way they sounded and the cheesiness of the MIDI instrumentation, but the hook is just irresistible. <laughs> and like, uh, I, I like it for that reason alone, practically. It's just a very powerful hook. And honestly, that's why I, I'm going to jump in to say I, I have it down as the biggest tragedy of any song in this whole round that the shine, shine, shines don't happen in the chorus in the in the actual song. It's just the intro thing. And I'm like actively mad that like they, they wrote such a great shine, shine, shine hook and then didn't put it in the chorus in the song because like, uh, I'm, I was just like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm probably have more patience for disco than most. And well, I was like excited again, because it's just like a real like fresh sound in the playlist that those shine, shine, shines are so dang catchy. Well, um, it's, it's in I the just, 10 inch remix. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's exactly right. I, I thought that, yeah, the backing music sounds very, very artificial. As someone who's generated a fair amount of disco lately, uh, I know that you can vastly improve the sound of a disco song with just a couple of real instruments, you know, a real guitar, a real bass, or maybe just maybe even just some better synth settings. I think the harmonies at the end of the song could have used some touching up too. The lyrics are good and fun. But it sounds like Joanne is singing uh, every other line of the verses at the very, very bottom of her range. You know, it's like there, there's one line that's sort of more or less fine, but then uh, the next you know, set of notes drops down as a part of the melody of the song. And each time it does that, it sounds like she's really, really at the bottom of her range. I'd like to hear her try something maybe like five half steps up. Just if, if she has range that she thinks she's comfortable in, I'd say try exactly the opposite of that. Try, like, go with a, a fifth above that and see what you can do and see how, how that sounds in your vocal range. I thought, you know, I'll write more in my actual review, but the first verse was sort of a little too, here's my book report on what disco was for me. <laughs> and maybe we could have, like, been right on the dance. I don't know exactly what that means. And then, like, the second verse... I appreciate that this singer is actually trying to reflect on the passing of time and so on, but there's like nothing that's less disco than Campbell's veggie soup or what I know, you know comes up. It hurts. And so it's, it's just like, um, ah, I don't, I don't know that the life goes swiftly by now we're, we've grown up so fast is like a perfect match for disco disco. Just like be young, you know, however yeah, you are, yeah. be young, be vital. Um, but, uh, still, I'm really happy about this one, and the shine, shine, shines can come into my head anytime they want. Well, I wouldn't have imagined that I would be, you know, defending the song, but first off, I mean, I think that it's it's a good setup. You know, if you're talking about how uh, the time has passed and 
and everybody's old now and yet they're dancing in the grocery store then that's kind of cool you know and the other thing is i think with the the point that they were trying to make with the um the camel soup can is that you know there's there's all of this shiny stuff off reflecting the lights that you know gives her a flashback of of disco uh, I, I might have misread that or read something no, into that's, it. That I think that's there. right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but yeah. it's so, still it's soup. It's it's the most glamorous soup there is. <laughs> Certainly a big name in the world of soup. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're we're angling for our first sponsorship. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Third Cat with their song Green Machine. I like the guitar work and the singing and as always with third cat we get some really good effects scattered throughout the song the singing of the first verse has some really good expression like on the line on how to get you it sounds more playful uh, in a way that I like a lot you know we kind of don't hear a lot of that sort of expression from third cat but but I, I like that line a, a whole lot. Otherwise, the song didn't really hit me very hard. And in some ways, it seems like there's a lot of starting and stopping throughout the song, like between sections and sometimes even between riffs, like that whole section immediately before the last chorus. You know, it's fine enough song, uh, but I couldn't get really excited about it. What do you think the green machine is, Ryan? Oh, why did I not care to look into that more? No, I don't. I, I don't have any perfect answer is just there's a there's a machine and it's green and the song is <laughs> definitely all about it but i don't know that i know a whole lot more about it than that i and think it's a bomb it's just okay yeah i was gonna say i mean i did write already is the green machine weed okay I, the green I, I is think, the weed i think maybe i just assumed it was a car or something yeah. and just thought well my first thought is probably accurate yeah. <laughs> brian do you have any more thoughts it seems like you're on a roll here uh, much more to say on this song. Not a whole lot. It's uh, pretty well constructed. The chorus melody is catchy. I'm there with it. I agree about the kind of stop startiness. Like I'm always kind of particularly satisfied with myself when the transition from a verse right into the chorus and then the next verse can kind of start right away, like satisfyingly, but without stepping on something. And that's, of course, if I'm not trying to add space or add a solo or something. I'm really proud of that. And this one is just kind of like the section ended and there needed to be kind of a bunch of measures to then have the next section start up. So it could be a little tighter. You know, I wondered what the green machine exactly was. We hear quite a lot about it. It's a machine. It flies literally or figuratively. And that's about it. And, you know, among a lot of songs that tried to take the prompt a little bit further, more you know, deeper and more dour or all the way to outer space. This one was straight down the middle. There's a machine and it's green and that's a color. And let's, yeah, let's sing about it. How about you, Chumpy? Yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, the song just doesn't really say a lot. I had the same question about the green machine. Why is it worth singing about? What does it mean? 
But ultimately, third cat songs are really not about the lyrics for me. They're really about the all of the cool sort of ear candy and different effects he puts in. Like, I love the things he does with uh, EQ filters. Like, he'll open up the filter, like, right when the chorus comes in. Like, when all of a sudden it was pretty narrow spectrum of sound. Like, all of a sudden the chorus bursts out and it's full spectrum sound. Like, the filter's gone and it sounds pretty glorious. I also have in my notes the verse and the chorus sections and the various sections do not really smoothly transition so they they sort of like fall into each other like clumsily i thought i felt like third cat was trying to fake me out like you know it's okay here we go with the verse and then the chorus is about to happen or is it going to be a chorus or is it going to be a some strange trippy interlude i don't know you're just going to have to wait a beat until it comes i thought that was interesting but at the same time a little grating i i don't know it didn't quite work for me there's some pretty harmonies, and there's definitely some pretty trippy and nice uh, effects. But yeah, ultimately, I this song is not not one that I really returned to over and over again, or wanted to play again as soon as it had finished. Okay, next up, we have Ross Durand with Ultimate Grey. Ross also set a higher degree of difficulty uh, for themselves than maybe other other participants did. Ross actually took the numeric Pantone number for Gray and then used those numbers to create the chord progression for the song. And, you know, um, to the extent that that's a whole separate challenge that was not presented before, Ross, um, maybe we can leave that aside. But yes, I do kind of have to uh, appreciate the, the extra detail and the extra hurdle they put before themselves um this is kind of a bluesy song a lot of like pretty spare in the verses we're building a mood building a scene then the choruses uh build up and build up and then kind of fall away until we hear this like the concluding line it's the ultimate gray so there's a lot of songwriters in this competition who wrote about gray wanting to be gray wishing the sky were gray gray instead of other colors but Ross was the ultimate. <laughs> so Ross is saying, "I see all your other grays, but I'm the I'm the ultimate." How did this one, this bluesy song, land with you all? I thought it sounded a little bit muddy and dull sounding. Like there's just something missing from the high end. Um, so just from a production standpoint, I thought it it could have been a little bit brighter in places. Maybe some different instrumentation would have brought out some of that sizzle in the high end. I thought the blues guitar and the organ sounded nice together. And at the same time, blues rock, I think, is just generally somewhat boring. So I have some genre bias that I need to work out. Just because, like, I think blues is one of the the forms that a lot of rock musicians gravitate toward initially. Yeah, so blues rock's a little bit hard for me to take. I did note that there's a good 
bump in energy in the chorus, which I think helps. You know, I thought it was interesting, like you mentioned, that they how they take the Pantone number uh, 17504, and they use like a 1, the flat 7, the 5 chord. And for a 0, I think they had like a, a, a rest, and then the 4 was the 4 chord. So yeah, that's interesting, and I think it's kind of a neat idea. I wrote in my notes, the song is about feeling meh. And I guess that makes me feel meh about the song. I don't know. Ryan, did, did you take anything more away from the concept or like what it was about? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's like the, the, the chord progression thing. It's kind of interesting, but maybe also not terribly interesting if he ended up with what he ended up with. I thought the backing music is very, very repetitive which I know is sort of on par for the course for, for the genre, but the guitar sounds great. I thought, and uh, Ross Duran's singing is very strong as always. And his switch from singing to really belting it out during the choruses is very, very effective. But yeah, the lyrics are your basic blues boilerplate lyrics. So, yeah. All right. Next up, we've got the newfangled trolleys with yellow sticky squares. I can't play anymore. My voice requires me to get like eight hours of sleep, but I gotta be up at 7.15 and I need a yellow sticky note to tell me where I need to be and who I am and how to push through all these sheets. I spin around and stare at windows filled with other people, wondering where all their hopes and dreams have gone to die. So yay, I can pay for the urn that I'll resign one day, promote me and all my yellow notes will one day go to you. On my yellow pad Remember as an undergrad When I had all these plans to work with Lines of yellow highlighted pages Fluorescent yellow lights These locked cages And all I can do is cash my check And buy some shit that I don't need I have to admit, I loved this song the first time I heard it I can definitely relate to the feeling of like wanting to do something else with your life that isn't work and just the the tyranny of having to work five days a week and then having two days on the weekend to do whatever you need to do and some of those days are taken up with laundry and like just general boring maintenance stuff (laughs) and just how terrible that is and just like wanting to spend your waking hours that you aren't working doing something that you care about so the, the the message sort of resonated with me. I, I like the the two distinct vocal styles that the singer sang with. So there's kind of a clean version he does and also a version that has a lot of sort of rough sounding vocal fry in it. That is like, I, I feel like it's when the singer is singing angry, it's the rough vocal fry. And when the singer is maybe just, you know, a little bit dejected, it's clean. <laughs> so uh, there's some great line, rhymes and memorable lines in this. I can't play anymore. My voice requires me to get like eight hours of sleep, but I gotta be up at 7.15. And the funny thing is, is he sang that line in the like nastiest rough vocal fry version <laughs> of his voice. I'm like, does it really? <laughs> like, you're just gonna do that with your voice. Do you really need eight hours of sleep? Anyway, this song is hilarious. It's got like some great imagery. Like, I want to put a staple in my brain. And I, I love the whole like punk folk thing. Yeah, I, I, I really like this song a lot. Yeah. Uh, the singing sounds like something I've heard before. And I want to say like maybe Streetlight Manifesto, but that's probably not it. 
And I'm, I'm, I keep on trying to think, have I heard these guys before? You know, that thing where it switches from relatively normal singing to such a distinct and intentional vocal fry seems like a signature sound that I really believe that I've heard before and I just can't place it. I do love the fast delivery of the wordy, wordy, wordy lyrics. Yep. And, uh, and everything hits I, on a beat, too. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the instrumentation is just guitar, bass, and washboard, of all things. Uh, I think the washboard is mixed a touch too loud. I think it's a little too prominent, but uh, I like this song a whole, whole lot. You know, the melody is wonderful. The whole thing is charming as heck. And uh, I'm going to rank it really high. Thanks, guys. Uh, I guess um, the my initial response to this one is just, are you doing okay, bud? You know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like you hear your friend with a voice that raspy and you just want to kind of like take him aside and uh, just check. I mean, um, but I appreciate hearing from you all because it's kind of helping me get into the song a little bit more. I think maybe I um, need a couple more goes, go rounds with it. And just to kind of like let my initial distaste for the real intentionally raspy forced vocal singing to just be kind of like ignore that, let it be something that does honestly really match the message that the song's trying to put forward. I noticed in the lyrics that the songwriter put in the phrase purposeful dissonance, like at the point where there's a lot of voices overlapping each other, singing yellow sticky notes and more and more. Yes. Like screamed voices, uh, purposeful dissonance. And like you're doing absolutely a perfect job of having the music sound like the idea you're trying to communicate. But at the same time, even if it's purposeful, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm like thrilled to listen to it, I guess. So but maybe that's me being a little too superficial and I should really recognize that the the song on its own terms is like absolutely communicating that message through sound and through words and through the voice vocal performance. I agree that the vocal fry is overdone at some point. It's it just it feels like an affectation that is maybe a bit too much. Like it's not like, you know, the kind of metal cookie monster singing that some metal vocalists do, but it does come off as a bit much at times, I think. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Lycanthrote and his song Silver Elite. Susie from my seat Fluffy slippers on her pedicured feet I heard she only sleeps on planes Up in first class, sipping champagne Platinum level, frequent flyer club Gold embossing on her ticket stuff Well, I don't fly like a movie star But I spend my share of time in planes and cars I'm only silver elite Lucky if I get an extra road seat 30,000 miles a year Isn't good enough to get me free beer Full disclosure, I have collaborated with Lycanthrope on a cover song for the Blue Lang Schwaro, uh, and I covered one of his songs with Chumpy, uh, and he's been a guest on the podcast. He's a great guy, and I'm a fan. So, <laughs> on to the knives. 
Anyway, uh, I think this song is one of Lycanthrope's more melodic numbers. I like the direction he's going in musically. Little touches like that airplane pong at the outset is a really nice touch. The topic of the lyrics isn't very inspiring or interesting, which is a bit of a downer because, you know, Lycanthrope is known for his very, very you know, interesting and uh, inventive and uh, brilliant lyrics. Uh, this was, you know, maybe not, again, not so inspiring. But, I mean, I get it. But, you know, it's it's first world, world problems, really. You know, am I right? The the backing music is more or less typical Lycanthrope. So if you like Lycanthrope, then I think you're going to consider this one of his better sounding numbers. But judging it against this strong group of contenders, uh, I'm not sure how he's going to rank. I mean, Lycanthrope's got his usual problems of, of phrasing and landing landing the vocals on the beats, and then also, you know, having a consistent vocal melody. All of those troubles he usually has are here as well. But there's also just the banality of the subject matter, like how yeah. the Silver Elite Air Club is like not the best club benefits you could have for your airline miles. And it's not the worst. It's not like being a noob where you don't even have miles at all, but it's like in the middle ground and you're like in some sort of limbo. All of these things combined to have a not very engaging song for me. So th- this was this is definitely a miss. Yeah, I noted. I mean, this is against kind of superficial and we certainly look to the entire song craft, but there's some intonation issues that are just kind of like hard for me to get by. Maybe just like another like close listen on the on the vocal performance to to get it right. I'm worried now, actually, guys, that I maybe made a comment on a prior song that I actually intended for this one. But anyway, this is definitely the one where the chorus kind of moves over to this drum pattern thing that itself is kind of playing with the rhythm. And then the vocal performance isn't exactly hitting the beat. And I, I just felt kind of lost by it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to put this one toward the top of my rankings, but it's certainly like a driving feel, a compelling vocal performance and one that kind of stands out among other performers. Um, yeah, that's kind of just where I'm coming down on it. So the next one up is... Can you help me pronounce this artist's name? Temnir? Temnir. So Temnir has a song, 1493. is absolutely one of my favorite songs of the round this is a like high intensity telling of the siege of constantinople by the ottomans through like absolutely like perfectly pitched metal performance which i gather is temnir's style more often than not 
Uh, it's such a creative use of the prompt where, you know, that's telling the story of where um, after a very long siege, the Ottoman armies saw, like, looked to the skies for a symbol and this red blood moon kind of in, charged them onto their victory. And you just feel that intent. Like, I, another thing I did not think I would be kind of saying to myself coming out of judging these songs is like, fuck yeah, Ottoman Empire! <laughs> you know, like, just like all in on the on the charge of Constantinople, oh, but I certainly yeah. was. Um, what, <laughs> what did you guys think? Kill them all. Uh, I think, well, after, yeah, I mean, after so many of his submissions that were just him and a ukulele, uh, we finally get <laughs> <laughs> to see him really pull it out. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Tim Neer has been a guest on this podcast. He's a great guy. I'm a fan. Uh, the show again anyway this is uh this is so iron maiden you know it's it's an iron maideny topic and lyric and general sound and just great great performances all around awesome singing awesome guitar work maybe a little long i don't know uh i was i was happy with it all the way through <laughs> i love this song oh my god I, I love the blast beat drums and the chugs i mean they're super genre appropriate i mean i have to disqualify this in some degree because Constantinople fell in 1453, not 1493, oh, so no. disqualified. But uh, I'll, I'll overlook it because I love Temnir so much. Yeah, this song is just super epic. Golden riders bathed in crimson light, guided by a blood red sky. You know, and it's got all of this like fantasy rock language, like look for a sign, a sigil on high. You know, if you're using the word sigil, you're talking at a Renaissance fair or, you know, you're in an epic fantasy rock song. So, yeah, great stuff. Scarlet cuts the sky. The birth of legends is foretold. Epic, epic, like metal. And it is awesome. The I love the guitar solos, and he even like he knows I loved harm. <laughs> I loved harmonized guitar solos, and he put them in at the end. I'm sure he didn't do that just for me, but I appreciate it. This song is amazing, and it, I mean, who are really you to rocks. say when Constantinople Constantinople <laughs> fell in the Temnir verse? You know, <laughs> it, it's not me, Brian. It's Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is never wrong. Different, <laughs> <laughs> different sequence. No, oh hats God. off. Hats off to Tim Neer. 1453 AD, fall of Constantinople. God damn it. So next up, we've got Jim of Seattle with Greg. This was another song I liked right away, and I don't know like what he did to evoke that 60s style, but I definitely feel like this would be something like you'd hear on a 60s TV theme song. I really love the gang vocals on the chorus that go gray and they shout gray, and it's just really like pounding gray in, and the lyrics are just funny and extremely clever. Like he talks about all the colors he's, you know, could be. 
Like, he could be green, he could have some jealousy, he could be red, he could be angry about the situation. You know, he could be that cliched color blue, but no, he's gray. And he finds a different way of saying that he's not that color, and he's not all the colors he's not, and then he always returns to gray. And then he lists examples of what, you know, what blue means, what red means, and what green could mean, why he's not any of those things. And it's interesting that this is like an upbeat, fun song about, like, how everything is dismal and dark and miserable but uh it just works and then there's like this part of the song i think it's at the ending of the bridge and it goes and again and again and again and it's like it's just this sort of crescendo high point and it just feels so 1960 something like i feel like i've heard that that sort of style many many times so he really nails a particular sound the, the lyrics like really engage with the prompt. You know, there's lots of talks about what different colors mean and how he's not any of those things and why he's gray. There's a number of songs about gray on here, and I think this is yeah. the very best of them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love the density of these lyrics. Uh, this the sort of relentless assault of lines and rhymes, and it's all just very fun and charming. And like you, I noticed that uh, the lyrics described the narrator is dismal and dark and depressed, but the tempo and delivery is so upbeat and hyper that it's energizing instead of a downer. Like, I remember first time I heard The Police doing So Lonely, which was ages and ages and ages ago, and just, just being sort of amazed at how, you know, the the lyrics are very bluesy uh, and about how... You know, somebody's very upset about, you know, being lonely and stuff like that. But it's so hyper and so energetic. And the, I just really love the the weird dichotomy there. But anyhow, and I, I get that in this song, too. I think it's a great song with great melodies. And it's just fun, fun, fun. Yeah, I really love this one, too. And there, there's a lot of songs. I mean, and this is natural because of the prompt throughout the round that try to work with a color almost like ignoring the general vibe that we associate with that color like there's a bunch of songs about blue that aren't even necessarily trying to reckon with the fact that blue is literally a word in english that means sad or so you know and is almost even cliched and i love that jim of seattle actually took the like what you expect to be associated with these colors put it right out there and said no i'm not actually that <laughs> i'm this other thing and yeah, I just appreciated addressing that. The the kind of rhythmic thing that happens pretty much throughout the song where the beginning of a new section, whether it's verse or chorus, starts with just the, the word itself, blue. Am I blue? Dot, da, 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 da. Like emptier phrases, just a single word, single note, leave some space. And then the next couple of lines are these like much faster. And the combination of like the slow, the kind of more open measure followed by the real packed measure um, of words is like a nice back and forth that's that's really creatively done. I, t I heard from Jim in the Zoom chat we were having before this, the listening party started that he wrote these lyrics all first without even a melody in mind. And that's like amazing to hear now actually that I see the thing because the melodies really work great with the, the lyrics that are written here. And I'm almost like taking a lesson for my own songwriting that like, putting words down even before you know how you're going to sing them might ultimately lead you to something creative, even melodically. So hats off. I love this one. All right. Up next, we've got Galashi doing Blue. Mind. 
song starts out nice and slow it's you know unobtrusive g and g and then it just stops and after a pause it restarts as a different g and g song at a different tempo and we all know that switching tempos within a song is a terrible mistake <laughs> and should never ever ever happen <laughs> so if you're doing that then you're doing something wrong just remember that no matter what. <laughs> Can we kill Ryan now? Uh, then uh, anyhow, after a while, it sort of evolves uh, a couple of more times into different sounding bits just before ending. Um, and I don't know, the, the song just sort of really wasn't my thing. You know, the pause doesn't work for me. The whole thing is a little hippy dippy for my tastes and I can't really take it seriously. And I, I, I just don't buy into it. You know, the singing is fine. Uh, it's a nice voice, uh, but the song isn't for me. I guess maybe it's it's suffering from its sequence a little bit here too, um, because the song we just talked about also had a similar phrase. Blue, it starts the same way. Blue, am I blue? After this same image has just been kind of um, put forward as a cliche by the prior song, then Galashi is kind of leaning into it. But it but is he or isn't he? It's kind of confusing for me because it seems like the song is trying to evoke this vibe of like a very calming, positive, liminal sunset blue, which is, again, like kind of not aware that blue means sad. It doesn't mean calm. So I don't know, like you have to address that somehow. Mm -hmm. But then also, I guess I just didn't have enough to understand that some of the symbology in the lyrics worked for that like i did not associate blue of his dorm room light which is basically the first image we get as like this wonderful calming thing i i in my mind that was like uh, fluorescent lights over me as i'm like stressed to finish homework and i honestly thought because of the common association of what blue means and what i honestly interpreted as like a negative kind of light i was just kind of thrown for a loop when i realized this was actually meant to be calming it actually gets back to a much older symbol for blue, which is the, you know, the romanticism movement, you know, where it stands for desire, love, and sort of the striving for the infinite and unreachable. There's a German word for the blue flower. It's a B-L-A-U-B-L-U-M-E. Oh, that's what it gets mentioned in the song, actually. Is it Heinrich's flower? Yeah, Heinrich's flower. So Heinrich 
is refers to Heinrich von Offerdingen, which is an unfinished novel by a guy named Norvalis. Heinrich was a boy who had a haunted vision or a dream of a blue flower. And he had like an unspeakable longing that was associated with this dream. And it became associated with the romantics. Spoiler alert, my favorite song of the fight by a fair margin. It's because like there are certain G&G songwriters that really, really resonate with me. This is a song like in my mind in the style of Nick Drake or Elliot Smith. I, his voice, I think, is just absolutely beautiful the uh the falsetto is incredibly well done i think the melody is great the way that when the tempo changes it also shifts from a minor key to a major key just sounds absolutely fantastic i actually got chills while listening to the song when i first heard it i had to stop what i was doing (laughs) and then like immediately go to my music player and find out who this was and what song this was as it got to that tempo change and then that second half of the song, it really, really spoke to me. And I was like, I have to know what this is. I, I think this is an absolutely amazing song. Like the the line, like Heinrich's flower, the infinite glowing, serenity, quiet and deep, embracing and total, you and I floating as we are slowly falling asleep. I don't know. I, I think the lyrics are fantastic. I had to know what Heinrich's flower was because it was the singer was so obviously passionate about that and so and then i like you know i spent a lot of time in wikipedia like and just sort of like rab rabbit holing about you know romanticism and what the song was about as i listened to this song over and over again yeah my favorite song i think maybe if anything like i'm coming away realizing like i'm just not deep enough like i was getting lost in in the images and the song is operating at this deep level deep level of heinrich longing blue that i just don't have access to in my mind or something but um i'll give it i'll give i'll spend some more time with it um before with all of the songs before um the rankings go in and i hope that there are a few that reveal themselves on second and third and fourth and fifth listens (laughs) so up next is bucket hat bobby matheson with the song seeing mauve parentheses rose colored glasses Your smile stretches for miles Don't you think that's a little much? Your eyes can brighten the skies Are you really that out of touch? Can you not see things clearly? Your view is skewed severely Your wanton positivity It's really getting to me Do you see mauve through those rose-colored glasses? Cause you're not seeing what I see You must see mauve through those rose-colored glasses It'll let you down, I guarantee It's just a fantasy, your eye werewolf. It seems to me you're seeing mauve. And this is a kind of like ironic, cheeky pop song with uh, an accordion instrumentation. 
all revolving around a central image of, as I interpreted it, the color mauve being like evil pink <laughs> or something <laughs> like but the, there's a there's the, the narrator is singing about a subject, someone who um, is just very optimistic and positive and sees the world through rose colored glasses. But I think our narrator is skeptical that uh, the world isn't quite as rose or maybe wonders whether this person is really telling themselves the truth. All of which is like quite a lot of interesting specifics to put in a song, you know, in a competition where some of the songs leave us guessing what exactly it was about. It's almost like within the universe of this song, it's a commonly known thing that mauve is, yeah, is like the evil version or the the pessimistic version of of, of rose. And I thought that was a cool idea, but I also didn't have that association beforehand. So between that and between the word mauve maybe not striking me as terribly musical singable I, that could be wrong but it just kind of like looks and feels ugly to me and maybe that's the point that's that's here but then at the same time to make kind of a um, uglier evil image right at the core of the song doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be super appealing but i'm curious what did you all think about this I sort of associate mauve as like a fancier purple mm. <laughs> or like a color that thinks too much of itself okay. or thinks very highly of itself. I didn't get the evil connotation, but yeah, maybe there's some of that there. So this song is one of the longer ones. It comes in at five minutes, 28 seconds. There's this line, uh, did you not pay attention? Can you not feel the tension? You see the world intentionally, one dimensionally. Um, I thought there were some good turns of phrases in there, and I, and, I, and I like the song. I just think it sort of overstayed its welcome a little bit. I had, I don't think this was my idea. At least I don't. I'd like to think maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was in the in the chat uh, in the listening party. But I think somebody pointed out that if you were seeing everything as mauve through rose-colored glasses, then everything in reality is kind of bluish. And so if you're kind of taking that metaphor further, maybe maybe that's maybe you're having these, uh, maybe everything is bad around you, but you've got your rose colored glasses on. Because I, th- I thought the song has a great melody. I thought it's super catchy. It's one of the few of these as we go through it that, you know, I can, you know, go through in my head almost from front to end. Is it my imagination or does his accordion sound like a whole lot better than before? You know, somehow it sounds like a lot more lush than I remember it from previous spin tunes. And I think his vocals have improved. Uh, like he really nails that uh, I don't want to be OK line. And this is not some weird, you know, backhanded compliment, uh, you know, criticizing his previous songs either. I've always kind of liked what he does. I think the song is a little long, like like you'd mentioned, but I enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, I think the lyrics are good and the verse rhyme scheme is cleverly dense. You know, sometimes it's the A-A-B-C-C-B and then it switches over at the end uh, verse to A-A-B-A-A-B. And uh, I appreciate all of that. I think it's, you know, I, I like these dense rhymes. I said before, I like it when songs don't rhyme at all. I also like it when they're really dense. So it's it's all good. I seem to remember a couple of instrumental flubs here and there in the song, but nothing that really stood out or detracted from the song. So yeah, I just liked it a lot. All right, next up we've got the Bafo Yucks Dudes with Green with Envy. 
I don't mean to color your attitude, but lifting your style is all that it took. You are nothing but platitudes. Green with envy is not a good look. One piece of the rainbow is enough for me. Did I choose the right slice? We'll wait and see. She was my queen. I am your pawn. You read my mind and now I go on. I don't mean to color your attitude. Lifting your style is all that it took You are nothing but platitudes Green with envy is not a good look the color of And uh, my first thought when I when I first heard the song and I saw the title was mm, Is it a good idea to, to name your song after a cliche? I, I worried a little bit about that initially And, I, I, and later as I, as I heard the chorus I thought cliches are also not a good look but it is what it is so and green is definitely the color of envy this was a, a case you know where i i really i looked at the lyrics and i thought this is a, another case where we're telling and not showing and I, you know it's just like and i have a lot of questions like this is obviously a song about a prop person who has a problem with another person and it's, it's like a relationship issue but like why are they mad and why are you getting sick why are you green with envy like what is what is the object and i feel like there might be another person in there like she is my queen i am your pawn i don't know i i didn't quite get this song i thought there was a lot of vagueness in the lyrics and i sort of wished it was like a little more specifics or i understood why somebody was envious or why you know why they were green with envy i just i had a lot more questions than answers in terms of the the lyrics i thought musically like starting with the chorus is always a good idea and i think they they sort of led off with, with the best part of the songs i thought the electric drums sounded really good i like the energy of the the drums and they sounded sort of like break beats to me i thought some of the synth the synth melodies were good but i just had a hard time with the story and the and the overall lyrical content and i, I just i couldn't get past the like sort of song title as cliche um, full disclosure, uh, Tommy has been a guest on this podcast. He's a great guy. I'm a fan. But anyway, uh, just like Chumpy mentioned, starting the song on the chorus is a good power move. You know, it sort of forces the listener uh, to get into the catchy part of the song immediately. And uh, I like how up-tempo this song is and how quickly some of the lyrics buzz by. And those lyrics have some charm. But I still don't think it's going to get ranked very highly, and it's hard for me to put a finger on why. Maybe just tradition. That's a joke. But maybe the lead vocals sound more like proclamations than melody, you know? Uh, but uh, that's not a very good criticism either, because I know Devo could get away with it, so I don't know why I'm not letting these guys get away with it, too. What did you think, Brian? Yeah, I have noted down, you know, trying to parse the lyrics. It was kind of tough. So, I mean, like, there's a she. Is she pretending to be the person you're in love with? Like, are there two people in this? Are there three? Um, and just, like, kind of getting confused. Not like all these songs, again, need to be, like, short stories really spelled out clearly, per se. But we've talked a lot about this. There's a kind of happy medium where there's symbol and there's literal. And you know it when you see it, like, the perfect balance. I think the phrase lifting her style is doing a lot of work in telling that story. And it's just, it doesn't, that phrase isn't very musical to me and I don't know what it is saying. So maybe uh, that would be a spot to focus to strengthen it. I do like though in that chorus, 
that keeps repeating how the second and fourth lines end with these short, choppy words. All that it took is not a good look. I don't know why. Like, that wouldn't always be musical, but sort of in this case, precisely because it's not or it's a little bit more jarring. I just like it. Sometimes a rough word among pretty words is, is a pretty effective tool. So I liked that. Yeah, nice and snappy. I mean, it covered a lot of ground in just a couple minutes. The, I thought the kind of the transition into and out of the bridge was a little clumsy and maybe we didn't even really need this particular bridge, but that also speaks to how the melodies kind of weren't leading anywhere, resolving anywhere per se, kind of seemed seemed to add it on. But yeah, some some good stuff in the lyrics there too. All right, let's move on to uh, so the song Kintsugi by Silver. She looks at me through blue and green All the heartache she has seen When she cries the sky turns red All alone inside her head other it's a goddamn shame i don't know any other way to be she looks at obviously awesome singing voice a great acoustic instrumentation um couplets are not my favorite form of lyrics though but of course they're doing fine in this song a uh, great backing vocal ahs and uh you know, it's a great song, uh, one of the best of the round, but not as amazing or engaging as, like, say, a Cave Dwellers or Newfangled Trolleys or Brian Gray, I think. You know, I haven't done my rankings yet, but this one may be in the top five, but not in the top three. And what is Kintsugi? Apparently, I don't have Google. <laughs> it is the art of repairing broken pottery, and it's something uh, uh-huh. Japanese folks do. And there are, um, I think there's, there are certain colors that get used in it. So like they use black and gold. Um, there's some cool photos on Google images. If you take a look at the examples. Yeah. Um, I felt a lot of the same, same thoughts that you had. Obviously this is professional style recording and instrumentation, like the banjo and the mandolin and the guitar and the singing are all just like professionally done and they sound beautiful. The song could be on the radio. Obviously audio production is something Sober has quite a lot of experience in. It's just one of the best sounding songs in the contest for sure. But like, I didn't get a, a lot of emotional feeling out of the song. And, and I could tell it was it was sort of a love song, but I didn't get really much more than that. And I looked at the lyrics a couple times and I, I could see that there was an attempt to, to have some artistry and some poetic content in the lyrics. And I appreciated that. But like, I feel like it, it just didn't hit me for some reason. Like I was able to intellectually appreciate just how beautiful and how well done the song was, but it didn't it didn't really reach me emotionally. I think that's fair. And it, maybe just this particular prompt was a little tricky for Sober's style. I mean, I know we don't ever want to be judging a current song based on prior submissions, but this is a really um, excellent lyricist in, in prior songs. and to find a way to to match the colors with 
the love message. Yeah, I don't know what it means to look through blue and green. Pull the shades and paint it black. Uh, what exactly that? Not. I mean, again, we don't get, want to get into like the literal meaning of every yeah, single yeah. thing. But yeah, it didn't like jump out as like super compelling emotionally yeah resonant color images i did really appreciate and i had mentioned this that a couple other songs hadn't done this sober keeps us wanting more we end on a verse uh we don't go back to the chorus we don't repeat the chorus three four times at the end to the point where you never want to hear it again we we end kind of like hanging waiting for what the future is going to be between this couple maybe and i like that it makes me want to then hit play again to just hear that chorus one more time okay next up is brother baker with the song cobalt and fading And what Brother Baker did in this song is, um, quite, again, quite a high bar. They set kind of a, a compositional challenge for themselves in that there's alternating time signatures here. The verses are in 7-4, which you, like hits you immediately. You're in kind of an alternate time signature from pretty much everything that we've heard. The beats, the like measures are landing differently in your soul as you try to like follow along with the song, and I just love that. It's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to pull off, but there's nothing clunky about it. They're not, you know, trying to make the gimmick more than the the song itself. I think the 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 melody, the performance in those verses is worthy of that time signature challenge. And then maybe because that was such a high bar and like really grabbed me among all the songs I've been hearing. Then I felt the chorus going back to 4-4 and was a little just kind of samey-samey and nothing about the chorus um, like really wowed me the same way. Uh, but they're still doing something really cool that that others hadn't done. I mean, we're going back and forth. I'm sorry, it doesn't go to 4-4 in the chorus. It's it's like a 6-4 thing, but still a little bit more comfortable of a, of a time signature. They're doing cool things with the lyrics about color. There's images of like kind of color theory of vibrance and warmth, and these are some of the imagery that they're using. Am I right, guys? Is this the group, the the performer that has two vocalists alternating, or is it? Did I get confused? And it's actually the same person, but just kind of. I want. I wondered that myself, okay. and I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I wondered that about the newfangled trolleys too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not kidding. There's definitely yeah. two separate sort of character vocals involved. I think. Okay. Well, I thought I heard it as a, a band with two singers, and that it's that was also like a an unusual thing and something that they pulled off pretty well. If indeed that's what's happening, or if the brother and the baker are just two parts of the same mind, <laughs> could be. You know, it's kind of cool. This was very well produced, uh, but despite the alt metal yelling, uh, I couldn't quite get into it, and I'm not sure why, because you know, everything sounds fine, 
and the time signature changes are done well and sound good and natural. And that is, I, that is, I think, key. You know, I've, I've said this a lot before. I don't think there's any reason to have five four in your song. I don't think there's any reason to have seven eight in your song if it sounds like it's five four and seven eight. I don't think there's any reason to have time signature switches in your song if it sounds awkward and and you can't groove to it. So this song, I thought, again, everything sounds fine. The time signature changes sound natural, and that's uh, very impressive. But maybe the general melody throughout the song, and in particular, maybe the slowdown in the chorus is what put me off, you know, because you got this level of energy, and then they drop it more or less down to halftime for the chorus. I, I know it's done because you want to have this uh, sort of more or less catchy extension of the the key phrase but it's still kind of whatever it was something put me off of the song and i don't know exactly what it is but i suspect it might be that uh it's undeniably impressive so i'll rank it okay but it never really engaged me and again gut level engagement is big with me for judging i thought that the the chorus had sort of an intense emotional power to it that's sort of like longing for vibrance which is I don't think it's something I've ever said before, and I'm not sure how many people have ever said that before. It's a strange thing to long for, but I guess maybe if, you're, if your world is all sort of faded and gray and not interesting, a lot of power in the chorus, and it's a lot of drama in the chorus, and I think the, the vocals effectively convey that, so kudos to the singer for really uh, being, being expressive and emotive in the chorus. So yeah, I, I like the intensity and I like the emotional weight of the song, but I, I struggle a little bit to find the reasoning behind those emotions. And it's it's I, I guess when I look at the song bio, I can kind of understand what why the the lyrics are the way they are. But I think absent that, it would have been hard to figure out. I thought the piano added some gravitas. There was some some great guitar work and some good dynamics and shifts in mood between verse and chorus that I thought were pretty well done. I didn't even notice that the that there were a, a shift in time signature, and I would not have known that there was unless I read the prompt. So good job on making that smooth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just that you didn't notice it means it was done particularly well. All right, next up, let's talk about The Pleasantry. Their song, Rosé. Rosé. Gonna snatch those rose tinted glasses from your face Cause you're living in a pink world Coming back to reality Look at the wall for my PhD I've prescribed you medication To treat your color miscalibration We've been living in the middle Compromising even on the simple I'm reading your wife and we thought that we might but we And I'll start off by saying that Cybronica's vocal hook probably my absolute favorite part of the song and it is it's a great repeated vocal hook and it's used in a in a way that is often done in these kinds of songs i'd say you need a powerful diva in a lot of these rap songs to pull off those vocal hooks and i feel like they did well on that and cybronica i think is going to be great to provide that sort of uh, power so that was great i think white guys rapping is sort of a bold choice it can come off 
a little bit affected if you're not careful. And I, I certainly noticed that in the second verse. And, you know, when you're listening to um, a rap or a song and you're wondering about the authenticity of what you're hearing and if, like, a person is perhaps aping a style or a an attitude that, you know, maybe is part of another culture and is not necessarily theirs, and you wonder, like, if that's an authentic thing. It's not something you want to be thinking about when you're when you're hearing a song. And in my case, it was that, that rhyme with cocaine, cell phone that uh, didn't ever rang, you know, just the, the way they slurred those words. I just thought uh, that's when I began to wonder just about how authentic that rap was. And so, and maybe that was um, a little bit cringy at times, just just that sort of that feeling that is it authentic is it real or if it's just like oh i'm just this is just a white guy taking the style like i like the idea you know the it's a relationship they both have these rose-colored gra- uh, glasses on about convincing themselves that the relationship is that they're in is good and in the first verse it's a guy sort of mansplaining to his girl that why their relationship is not great and the second verse it's a guy saying that the relationship is not great because you know it's mixed uh, with you know drugs and unprotected sex it's like all these good things about it but you know maybe i'm not seeing all the bad things about it through these rose-colored glasses i, I sort of get what the song is about and how these two verses are, are both conveying the same thing but yeah I, I i struggled with the rap aspect of it and you know i just there's 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 some misogyny inherent in rap that i don't particularly like and i guess i am sort of sensitive to that whole mansplaining thing like you've been living in a dream girl and i'm gonna help you see it because i've got a phd and knowing stuff <laughs> like you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna set your little brain straight on it so i didn't particularly care for that those are my rambling feelings on the song okay uh do you want to go next Brian, i mean all of I... that i think is pretty fair and you've, you've given it quite a lot of thought to the the performer here i just i don't know why i just don't yeah i'm not convinced especially by the second verse that this is real in your life you're selling out game maybe i, I don't know maybe you are the, the one thing i'll say about this song though is i imagine the songwriters in spin tunes out there working toward their deadline, spending long hours in a in a studio, in a recording space, in their bedroom, on a computer. I just wish that they have those moments where they put together some little beat or some little hook or something and it sounds great and they just feel their head they have fun you know you hear the hook in your head you're dancing to it on the, the headphones and you're just excited to put words to it and keep going and that kind of experience is so invigorating and I, I guess like it takes all types and there's many many uses of music beyond like fun and excitement but um, I'm just not the guy who like yearns to get in the recording studio to like put all my pain into um <laughs> which maybe you know like talk about first world problems <laughs> like i'm so happy everything should be happy but i love the vision anyway of the crew behind this song loving this song in the studio uh i i kind of get that appeal to it but you know it's it's not they're they're then putting it out into the world yes, yes you know they're yeah, then yeah. ostensibly understanding what they've done and and saying this is not just us goofing around. This is our gift to the planet. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just stunned. I can't believe that that they listened to this at all prior to submission, because like there is no section of any of the rapping that doesn't make me cringe. Kind of don't know what to say. I, I don't worry about 
authentic or not. I just listen to it and go, there, there, there's no part of this is that's good. Uh, you, I, I guess I could say that th- there's nothing particularly wrong with the beats and there's nothing particularly, and you know, of course, uh, Cybronica is always good, but in terms of the rap, uh, the content, there's nothing there. The beat, there's nothing there. The inflection is kind of weird. You know, the, the big selling points of this type of song should be the lyrics and the delivery of the lyrics but the lyrics are not funny and they're not clever and they're not transgressive or anything. Uh, They don't really even scan from verse to verse and the delivery is it's ouch. You know, I I just, I don't get it. It's just stop. You know, I will defend the, the, the raps to some degree. Like I thought the use of the use of ad libs in the first verse was very well done. And also, you know, idiomatic to the style uh, points there. I thought, and some of the some of the ad libs I thought were kind of funny and interesting. He says something, and then the and the ad lib goes, "What?" I don't know. I okay. thought that was a, a you know, I, I enjoyed that part of it. And like, they are rapping on beat. Like, you can rap much worse than this, and I have heard much worse raps than this. <laughs> like, these guys rap better than Micah. Sorry, Micah, but they do. I disagree so wholeheartedly. I think. I mean. I think, I think technically, my, their rapping is is definitely a level above Micah's. I I I I, I, <laughs> I still respectfully disagree. All right. And uh, yeah, it's. I think. I mean. I yeah. I I don't think this works on any level. And I think. I, I just think cringe, cringe, cringe. I I wonder if this is some weird dare where they're trying to you know, <laughs> do their best to get eliminated first round. You know, I, I just no, don't know. I don't this think they will. Well. I mean, it, there are some funny lines and it's I think you can groove to it as well. Or some other folks can certainly groove to the, the music of it. And that hook is really good. Like, so I just wish it was a little bit louder. No, I think this song will actually rate fairly well. Ugh. Maybe not amongst Ugh. the three of us. I don't know. <laughs> what do you what, I hate? I hate it. I hate listening. Oh, to God. It. I don't I can't I can't listen to it. I feel like Ryan and I have talked a lot. Brian, do you have any 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 more thoughts? Can you moderate us? I'm honestly like I am glad that this crew had fun in the studio. I think on a technical basis, I'm more with you than against you, Ryan, and I don't see myself rating it very high. But we have noticed that there are a lot of kind of like ominous vibey, slow G and G. I mean, in spin tunes, I appreciate a, a someone in a whole different genre or like trying it, you know, genre experimentation. It's not always going to land. Uh, and this one I don't think lands, but I think they probably had more fun than some of the other contestants who even will go on to the next round, uh, who aren't that maybe concerned with writing fun songs anyway. And that's, that's totally fine. So next up, we've got bleed out purple by thanks brain. White smiles, big spectacle. This place that takes our days Doesn't matter what you're doing Could be crude, could be nothing Just as long as people say With my hands. I think that uh, repeating scratch of static or distortion is not a good choice. I think when going for avant-garde, 
you know, choices are still very important and it's good to be judicious. I think that staticky sample was, was bad. I don't, I don't, I don't think it added anything to it. Oh, you don't have an association uh, with that sound? Not really. What? It's the runoff groove from oh, uh, a record. Okay. All right. Still. I mean, but the thing is, it's it's not used like consistently throughout. It's used as a sample that starts and stops and starts and stops as a part of yeah, like a runoff you know, sort of groove does. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, but the runoff groove you get constant static. No, this... it, it. I seem to remember it like being um, stopped and started sound the runoff groove. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry about that. No, no, no. That's that's good. It's you know, it's good to to kind of get that sort of clarification. I might have mis- totally misunderstood it then. And uh, and that's fine, but but still, it's it's a staticky sound, and yeah. I don't quite get how that's gonna you know add to uh, the the appeal of the song. And I didn't think it worked here. Now, having said that, I I honestly don't mind the other samples, not even the TV or radio sample or whatever that uh, other repeating thing was. Uh, I mean, at least that is an interesting sort of a counterpoint to the rest of the song sort of more or less like a like a cameo from Negative Land or something. But the song itself is a bit plodding. And I don't know uh, what the song is about, and I'm not really interested enough to kind of make the effort to to figure out the lyrical interpretation. You know, I, I kind of just don't see a rabbit there that I want to follow. Uh, having said that, the singing is very nice. The singing voice is really good. I like the inventive approach to the song. This guy took risks, and I always appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to end this on those positives, even though I just harshed it a bit in the beginning. It was inventive. It was different. I like inventive and different. And the guy's got a good voice and he took risks. And that's there's value in that. I think no chorus, no chorus is a really big risk uh, and probably doesn't doesn't pay off in this case for me. Not, you know, not that this is the kind of a vibe of a song that's trying to like land on some jangly tambourine chorus, obviously, but it just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so we've talked a lot in this podcast about finding the balance in the lyrics and this is another one where we're just too far in the realm of symbolic and the the writer clearly knows the core of the story and they're trying to talk around it in more poetic imagery but the actual core of what's happening is doesn't really come across sometimes that works great sometimes not i'm like in a position of trying to judge lyrical quality and stuff here and so i literally think that what's at stake here is if the circus tent were a different color then this guy would be better off and i don't really understand what that means i didn't either like circus tents and something about affording private jets and it didn't make a lot of sense to me i i also didn't know what bleeding out purple really meant uh yeah so i had a, i had a hard time with the lyrics i think they're also sort of abstract and share your sentiment that the songwriter maybe knew it was about i just wish they would have shared it a little bit more with me I like the vibe of the song. It has kind of a trip hop vibe. And I actually thought the runoff groove thing added kind of a cool atmosphere. And I also like the negative land style samples. I thought the samples were interesting. And then there's that sort of haunting sounding Eastern string instrument, which I think has been used a fair amount in other trip hop tunes. So I feel like it's genre appropriate. And uh, that sounded pretty good. But yeah, uh, the lack of a chorus and the fact I didn't really know what it meant and I couldn't relate to it um, meant it was a sort of a bit of a struggle for me. So we're onto the shadows now, if I've got it right. And the first shadow up is the song Clementine by Hot Pink Halo. 
I've said it before, uh, sometimes the only thing wrong with a four-chord song is that there's too many chords, and uh, this is a lovely, lovely three-chord song. Um, I love the guitar freak-out. Uh, I like how everything is layered, and the singing is beautiful. You know, the lyrics are fun and appealing, and, you know, I, re I really couldn't find anything to dislike about this song. I just, I just liked it. Yeah, I have some of the same notes. Uh, I like the cool sort of indie rock vibes. I like the layering. Yeah, I thought it was a, a, a good song. Uh, there were a couple places I thought the mic was a little hot and I heard some distortion. So maybe keep an eye on that. But there's some technical nits, really. This one I could, you know, like it, it, this one also put me in the time of late 90s. It's an indie, indie, indie rock show more thoughtful edge than the than the edgy edge and it was just really pleasant to just ride along on her her vocals especially in that chorus when 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 it crescendos a bit yeah i think in general we all probably wrote a little bit less about the shadows we were just so thankful for getting our i apologize also, for now i'm kind of stumped and like my brain it's it's 12 30 a.m oh where God. i am it's all good but um to my fellow judge, I'll give you a much more thoughtful review in, in writing when they're due. And uh, that brings us to Also in Blue. The song is called Shadow Grey. cow this song is so so beautiful the vocals are incredible the harmonies are amazing like uh someone who went to school for vocal jazz or like went to music school and like learned a lot about you know composing for vocal harmonies wrote this song because it sounds extremely good like i think that there are just two performers performing multiple takes and between their two voices, they managed to cover a lot of the audio spectrum with their voices. And it just sounds full and rich. And the lyrics are pretty. Um, like, I love this song every time it came on. And if it were actual in competition, I would have ranked it very highly. And just stands out in the style, too. I mean, who else is providing us, like, vocal jazz, choral pieces for four-part harmony? It's really <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just in awe of this guy. I mean, <laughs> he's also our, our fellow judge, right? But like showed up in the last spin tunes and promptly just won basically every round and won the thing. And I just absolutely adored every song uh, that they submitted last time around. Um, so no surprise that it's, I wrote in my notes, show off, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ringer. Yeah. yeah, it's just so crazily professional and beautiful and charming and weirdly outdated, which somehow just adds to its charm. You know, it's an insanely beautiful voice. The lyrics are clever and fun. And I didn't even realize until later listens that it's completely acapella. Somehow uh, that kind of skipped my mind until later listens. I'm like, wait, wait, there's no instrumentation here at all. Just makes me think, you know, why is the world in love again? Why are we walking hand in hand? Why are the ocean levels rising up? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Song. 
All right, guys, we're done. Congratulations, we've made it through all the songs. Yes, and congrats to the to the artists. That was like a lot of rich material. Really fun to discuss with you guys. Thanks for letting me be here to join. I'm sure that like my rambling led to quite the, the quite the long runtime that we have here, but um, it's a big round. And I'm sure the people will appreciate it. Everybody's uh, comments except mine. And this is reflective of the notes I took after two listens precisely. And I intend to do several more before uh, writing like deeper versions of what I shared for the the rankings just to cover my butt, I guess. (laughs) Well, and and one observation I'd like to make is that there are often complaints uh, after rankings that uh, this doesn't make any sense. Somebody put this, uh, this artist on top and the other person put him near the bottom. You know, why the huge discrepancy? Somebody must be being really just some troll or something like that. But we have that this time with at least, you know, Galashi. Yeah, where I was not thrilled with the song at all. And and you loved it. So, I mean, just just to let people know if there's some weird sort of discrepancy in uh, in voting, it's probably organic. Yeah, totally. I think gut level appeal is always going to run over everything else for me so if you think i like you know up-tempo happy songs or at least up-tempo songs uh then that's how to get my vote you've cracked it but just make sure that that tempo stays very consistent exactly (laughs) can't have any changes in tempo or that's like an automatic disqualification okay i'm gonna make sure yeah write that down Changes in tempo. <laughs> We're just laughing because Ryan is crazy and says crazy things. <laughs> I'm a I'm a tempo zealot. That's why. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite song, Ryan? It was Cave Dwellers. Sounds like it was close to yours too, Brian. Yeah, Cave Dwellers is is right up there at the top for me at the moment. I've got Tim Near as number one. Just like. So pumped to fly into battle with with all those guys. <laughs> I have forty t- years too late. Yeah, yeah. 50, forty years too late. <laughs> have, hey, what happened? It's yeah. already set. And there was no lunar eclipse that year either. So, sorry, Timnir, disqualified. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. So, like, um, the Cape Dwellers song was a bit of a miss for me because I hate that period in eighties music. Like uh, 80s power ballads were all over MTV at some point, and I just absolutely hated them. I recognize how pretty the song is and how hard they worked at it, but it's going to be hard for me to overcome that bias. Well, I, again, that's going to be another one where one of us uh, ranks it high, the other one not so much. So, yeah. All right. And, and you it's had Galashi right up there, Chumpy, or which was your time? Yeah, Galashi's number one for me. And it's like, I think head and shoulders above the rest of them, too, which is which is weird. And I think it's just because it moved me and like not sure. not every song did or hardly any of the songs did. But this one really got to me. I, I, I think a lot of it was just in the, the, the power of the of that person's voice and the beauty of the falsetto. And I'm a I'm a really big like Elliot Smith and Nick Drake fan. And they have a lot of the same style songs where it's sort of this melancholy sort of lyrics with with beautiful acoustic guitar sort of rich reverbs which is the vocals are drenched in and it just hit all those high points for me i'll give it a few more listens i i know that i've listened to it several times already and i didn't get what you got out of it 
And I also know that your love for the song is pretty much love at first sight, right? Yeah. First time I uh, heard it, like I, I picked up a lot of those things and then it just sort of grew a little bit as I did the Wikipedia rabbit hole. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll open my mind to it a little, but yeah, we'll see. I think we all agree on tenure though. That's. Yeah. <laughs> is, is the lyric. 1493 in the song i can't remember i don't think because so i don't think so if it's uh if it isn't then he can just change that number yeah in the title yeah exactly and no harm no foul yeah but anyhow I-, I tended to rank any song that had obvious like vocal pitch issues like sort of kind of clump them at the bottom and i may rethink that uh, that's just something that's really hard to listen to I don't know how fair that is. Like not everybody has access to kind of like, you know, pitch correction technology or they can all do more takes. (laughs) I give people a lot of credit. If there are competitors here who are honestly just like setting down the microphone in front of them with a guitar for one take, you know, they're kind of up against it. it. That's hard to do. But also like if they're at the level of trying to compete in something like spin tunes, then find a buddy who can give you a quick one on one on even GarageBand or Audacity or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, with with GarageBand, I think I just, I mean, you, you don't even need that. You just go onto YouTube. Right. I, and that's kind of how I started, I'm sure. And of course, it was bad early on, but, you know, eventually got better. I think that, that good production is quality. You know, having just a microphone in front of somebody with a guitar results in errors and problems and they don't bother doing another take then i or or even just really low quality recording then i'm kind of like well what what are you doing here we're just not setting yourself up super high when we've got the likes of you know some of the upper echelon stuff we've got here the song craft i think will always shine through i'm sorry chumpy but like i'm sure there have even been winners that were girl and guitar guy and guitar there were um, and i know that sarah parsons in particular was Mm -hmm. an unstoppable force I think she won like two out of the four rounds. Just like undeniable songs will always transcend. But yep, production. Um, but yeah. production certainly an axis we all judge. Totally. On. Yeah. Yeah, but but no, I mean that that explains you know Daniel Johnston who had no no production at all and was undeniable. You know his songs were undeniably charming and catchy and weird and quirky and just had s- such appeal. You know, um, but just such bad recording quality uh, but it, it didn't matter but the thing is i mean a lot of these people that we're talking about in this round are not Daniel Johnston. you know brian i'm sorry for keeping you up way past your bedtime we can oh, probably yeah. talk a lot longer you can go anytime you want I'm- it's all good it's all good i like really appreciate the opportunity to, to be a judge let alone to join you guys here um and give me some food for thought on these rankings but i'm gonna stick with my guts I, you know, also the like ultimate reality, this gut level appeal, you click with it. And I love that we click with different ones. Um, that's, you know, the value of having five judges instead of just one, with, you know, a really strict rubric where we're like forced to rank the exact same way. Um, I'm good with it. 